Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Electric Underground podcast slash videocast. And joining me today is a fellow shmup YouTuber, ShmupsBR. Welcome to the channel, my dude. Hey. Hey, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And I thought a real fun way to get introduced to you is that instead of talking about how you got into shmups and all that, which I'm sure will come up later on, why don't you just off the bat give me your top five favorite shmups? Oh, no, not this question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. To get into your mind. Okay. Um, first of all, um, this is this is a very hard question for me to answer because, like, if you ask me the same question tomorrow, I'll probably give you five totally different uh, games. But, oh, boy. Let me see. Um, I can... I can. If it probably... helps, you can always go by the criteria of the five shmups you've played the most. I always think that's a really useful way to pin down favorites or okay. games that you really uh, like. One, one I I play often. I mean, I, I even use it for training. Like when I think I'm going off, you know, when you you know when you're trying to beat a game and you just can't get it, and I say, okay, I have to train. Yes, is Flying Shark. Oh, uh, yeah. Which version? This is a. I like the arcade version, but I play yes. pretty much every version. Um, Flying Shark uh, is one of those, uh, you know, all-time favorites. Uh, I like Gradius Gaiden. Oh, that's a not, good one. Not because like I don't like the other ones, but I think Gaiden is like the apex uh, 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 of the series. Um, what so else? I want to ask you about Gradius Gaiden because, you know, when it says Gaiden in a lot of games supposedly they're supposed to be like somewhat an alternative take on the series but some series they just throw Gaiden in there it's not that different is there anything particularly Gaiden about Gradius Gaiden compared to the other ones in the series uh well as far as I know um Gaiden is not exactly uh canonical uh uh in terms of the story timeline uh, the, sto the historic, the, the history, the, the background, background history timeline in Gradius is quite convoluted. Like there's lots of lots of, of side stories and whatever. Like Salamander right. is a side story, but yes, as as far as I know, Gradius Guiding is a kind of a spin-off. Not because like I, I can't remember where I read this, but as far as I know, it's not 100% canon. Like it's slightly different. Also because it's. Um, one of the few graduates where you can play two uh, players simultaneously. Oh, cool! And you and you, and you keep up, and you can pick up four ships. Not you're not sticking to the uh, regular Vic Viper. That must be it then. So you have different ship types and stuff. Yeah, and each each uh, each ship has different set of weapons. So the well, the loadouts are totally different. And uh, yeah, it, it's quite crazy. It's it's an interesting game. Um, oh, I like uh, Chorensha. Oh the, yeah, sixty-eight uh, k, baby. Yeah, I would be lying if I don't mention Elastic Two as one of my all-time favorites because it's like, uh, I mean, I have a lot of uh, respect for all the Elastic series, but Elastic Two for the MSX is fantastic. Like it's is one that of the, the original that... platform that game came out, or am I thinking of the? Because isn't there a Game Gear version or something? Or am I getting confused? Yes, uh, we have Elastic 2 on the Game Gear. It's, it's the GG Elastic series. It's kind of slightly different. Oh, okay. But 
The uh, but the uh, yeah the original uh, original Alessia series is uh, it was born in the MSX. Actually, that's not true. Uh, it was born on the Master System and the MSX at the same time. Ah. Because the guys on the guys in Compile they were like geniuses uh, designing software for this kind of hardware. So uh, they loved the Z80, Z80, and the uh, uh, everything that goes. The, the MSX and the Master System are not that different. So they were pretty good on doing uh, software for these uh, machines. And uh, they developed, I think there are like months of difference between the two releases. I mean, Elasti 1 came out in on the Master System first, then on MSX, and then, but Elasti 2 is uh, an exclusive. It's not oh. even in the M2 collections. Interesting. If you've never tried it, really recommend it. It's hard. I've had, <laughs> I've played Elasti 2, uh, the one on the uh, PS4 collection, but not not the MSX. Oh version. no, that's 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 probably GGLS2 or Power Strike 2. Power Strike is the uh, European European exclusive, the Master System game. Oh, I see. LS2 is a totally different animal. You have to check it out. Oh, definitely. Okay, so and we got okay. we got that. What's next? Uh, I would say Zanak. Oh, okay. I managed to once see it a couple of weeks ago. I think last week. I haven't played and, that uh, one too much. Zanuck? Well, mm. well, <laughs> Zanuck is the original Valesti. Right, right. It's like the the guys the uh, when Compile released Zanuck, um, they they did it and they they uh, published the game using Pony Canyon. It's a uh, Japanese publisher, big publisher. When they decided, okay, let's make Xanax 2, Pony Canyon said, no, that's our game. And they have to, like, pull out Aleste out of their heads because they had no rights over the game. So, <laughs> mm, Interesting. That's uh, that's why we have Xanax and Aleste. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with this sort of um, early compile stuff as you are, so that would be cool to learn more about as we go. Yeah, this is... Um, all, all, all those titles, especially Alesti and uh, Zanek, they are they were born on the MSX, which is a platform that I know uh, very well. Uh, that's why we are like that. That's I, I can say I think probably Zanek was the game that like made me like shmups nowadays. One moment, Discord is screwing with my camera and it's pissing me off. I'm gonna turn my camera off. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like you have a real affinity for the kind of like 8-bit, 16-bit, 16-bit era of shmupping, it sounds like, going from your from your top five. Uh, yeah, like I said, this is my top five today at 5 a.m. on a <laughs> yeah. Sunday, so it's, it can be totally different tomorrow. Another thing about you that I wanted to learn more about on this episode is that you're from Brazil, and you said that the gaming scene in Brazil especially with arcade games and all that shmups, is quite a bit different than other regions that we might be more familiar with, like Japan or North America or Europe. Oh, yeah. Well, Brazil is a... <laughs> Brazil lives in, inside its own bubble. Like, it's 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 quite crazy. Like, whatever happens there it doesn't doesn't reflect on, on what happens on the rest of the world. It's, it's, it's mm, kind of crazy. Yes. Yeah, and I do have a little bit of familiarity with South America's <laughs> sort of tastes in gaming and stuff over the years. Like, for example, when I log on to Fightcade, I know if I go and play King of Fighters or something, like, the majority of the players are going to be from South America. It's really big in that region of the world. 
uh, SNK mm. stuff is really big in that region of the world. And from what I remember, like, it takes a lot longer for consoles and those types of things to get to Brazil because of the high import taxes or something. You know much better than I, so I'd love to hear sort of your breakdown of what it was like, uh, you know, growing up and gaming in Brazil and what you were encountering and how that differs from North America and the rest of the world. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is a quite long story, so uh, feel free to edit if you need it, because this uh, I, I may need some time to put everything in context here. But anyway, um, in Brazil, uh, in, in the 80s, what, we ha what happened was we had a... Uh, we were living in a military dictatorship uh, that started in 1964, and um, uh, it lasted until 1988. So, between 64 and 88, Brazil had um, import blocks. We right, just could right. not import anything. Like, everything, like, because they they had some uh, very strict uh, rules for uh, technology protection and uh, protection of the internal industry, so they just forbid everything to be imported. Uh, however, when I say imported, I mean... Um, commercially imported like you couldn't go to a shop uh, you could go to a shop and you would never find an import uh, uh, product there like, you know, like an, an ele electronic or a game or a computer or whatever so no Nintendos or anything you go to the game shop no no Nintendo baby no okay but um, what started to happen was the uh, gray market things so people who had like a friend or who was like taking holidays, taking vacation and going to the United States or mm -hmm. to somewhere in Europe, they uh, used to like get a couple of, oh, let me take some Ataris to Brazil, uh, two or three units. And I have heard stories of this, uh, even here in Idaho, where people would come up from South America and they'd go into like a GameStop, not a GameStop, it'd be Electronics Boutique when this happened back in the day. And they'd just, like, buy a shitload of consoles and games and just, like, take everything yep. they could so that they could uh, take it back to South America. Yeah, and, and uh, we uh, we had this kind of... This this was kind of a common practice there, and, and it was um, com very common to get things from the gray market. So you had a lot of gray market uh, imports uh, going on there. Right. But... Yeah. Uh, so... But every video game in this period was like from the gray market but um so and and but even you're importing even if you're bringing like in your in your luggage from from a trip like you had to pay like a lot if you were caught if you're if you're not oh, caught that's fine like, so you had to pay even if okay that's interesting so you went to the united states you let's say yeah. you went to texas and you bought a piece a PS2. You bought like five PS2s and you brought them back and they caught you with those PS2s. You'd have to pay taxes on those PS2s. Yeah. Insane. You're screwed. <laughs> Insane. It's 88% on top of the label price plus shipping taxes. So uh, and, and would you uh, like would people I'm this is me guessing. Would people have like some sort of arrangements with maybe whoever's doing this sort of stuff it's like hey i've got five ps2s but i'll give you a hundred bucks let me go type of thing yeah, i don't know i never heard stories about uh, this kind of arrangement i don't think it's impossible to happen it's totally just, possible but i would just imagine but, like if you had a shop 
in Brazil, right? You're like running a game shop. This is all just me speculating. And you need to get products into that game shop. You might have some sort of like what I would do is I try to set up some sort of connection with whoever's uh, running the borders or whatever. Be like, hey, let let my dude through and we'll work something yeah, out. Yeah, but like, there's there's a there's an interesting thing about this this uh, period in time in Brazil. There were no video game shops. Oh, okay, never mind then. There's none. But what was two things were really common? Um, Japanese shops like with Japanese products like. Mm-hmm toys like i don't know transformers gundam and whatever and you know toys like J- japan in the 80s were like crazy about toys like you had all kind of, yeah. of cool toys yes hell yeah people used to you know sneak a famicom or two like between the shelves like if you go there and say oh what about the video games and the guy said oh yeah i, have, I think i have something here for you and uh you know but unofficially and uh what we used to have was uh oh yeah there's Another country in this uh, <laughs> in this story, it's Paraguay. Uh, Paraguay is a kind of a country that has no... Uh, I don't know exactly the details about the uh, how they work with the import uh, laws there, but uh, looks like Paraguay has no... Uh, I don't think they, they, they charge taxes or whatever, so everything goes through Paraguay. Right. And, and you can cross the border between Brazil and Paraguay by bus. So you just basically take a bus in Sao Paulo, for example, and you uh, uh, go to uh, Asuncion in Paraguay, buy your stuff, put it in a luggage and bring to Brazil and that's it. Right. And when you're going between those two countries, you're not having to worry about someone checking your bag for a PS2 or something. Yeah. That's the place where you want to uh, give someone uh, some money to, right, right. you know, <laughs> right. overlook stuff. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the place in Paraguay because there was a connection, Hong Kong, Paraguay, Paraguay, Brazil. Oh, so Hong Kong would export to yep. Paraguay. Okay, cool. Hong Kong and Paraguay was like trading partners for a long time, and and Paraguay and Brazil, Paraguay and Brazil t- used to take advantage of this uh, 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 relationship by buying things from Hong Kong via Paraguay. Isn't that sort of funny? Because Hong Kong is like the Paraguay of China to begin with. Exactly. So it's like that is exactly. a funny connection. So so convenient, right? Yes. <laughs> they just switch from switch from from Cantonese to to Spanish, and we're good. So is that how you got consoles back in the, or stuff back in the day? You take a bus yes. down to Paraguay and buy some stuff. Some people used to have like. Um, import shops with like perfumes and clothes and whatever and they used to bring video games unofficially and with no uh, not consistently because like sometimes like okay it's Christmas you have you can sell them or when when it's not like you've just like they're they're probably too expensive for a casual gift or something so it was kind of hard to get things there I can tell you yes I've heard that but there's another interesting factor. Because we have this ban and we just couldn't uh, have uh, electronics and specifically video games there, uh, the government decided to overlook everything related to clones. So if you want to do like a NAS clone or a Master System clone or whatever, you just, the government said, okay, well, this thing doesn't exist here. So go on, clone it. Again, very China-like, it <laughs> sounds like, yeah. right? So yeah. So basically a huge 
market for clone consoles popped up, and I've I've heard of this as, as yeah. well. Now, how sophisticated could these clones get? Could you get a clone PS2? No. Oh. No, 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 no. PS2 was like in the two in the only 1998, right? Somewhere in there. I can't quite remember, yeah. No, no. At this time, the gray market was so strong in Brazil that we're having like uh, official but uh, irregularly imported PS2s. Like, But we had like, I can tell you, like probably... 20, 30 different types of, of uh, FOMI clones and uh, mm -hmm. NAS clones. And um, no, of, of course, like we, we never need, we never, never needed a clone master system because we had the official thing there. What about but, Chinese clones? Did you have a lot of, or were, ironically, were Chinese clones considered like yes. imports? Or um, not? Yes, because they like were not uh, manufactured in, in Brazil. So yeah. We had plenty of Chinese stuff there, like <laughs> yeah. a lot. I uh, I do know with the you know the SNES Junior, the mini version of the SNES, which I yeah. grew up with. Actually, I had, I had both. Um, there were so many clones of the SNES Junior that they actually a lot of them made their way into the North American like market via pawn shops and stuff. And so even for people who have uh, SNES Junior in the United States. You could pop that open and check and see if it's a clone or not because there are so there are so many of them. Yeah, but the, in in Brazil, the uh, the is, I saw a video. There is a, a guy a guy made a very interesting video. I forgot the the channel's name now. He recently, I think, a couple of weeks ago, made a really cool video about Brazil, and it, the video is almost almost perfect, almost good. There's one thing. Is it in Spanish did. or in English? In English. Oh, okay. No, the guy, the guy is pretty good. The channel is good too, uh, and I—that's the first video I saw on this on his channel. But the uh, the video is pretty good. But the, I remember one thing he didn't get it. Um, he made it sound like 90, 80, well, let's say eighty or ninety percent of our market was Sega, because we that's had what official I've heard Sega too. That's what no, I've no, heard too. Because we had official Segas there. Officially, As in Sega made a yes. deal with the government and said, "Let us sell these bitches here," and it's like, "All right, fine, let's do this." Oh yeah, this 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 is another interesting t interesting story. Um, Sega in Brazil, what happened was uh, there was a, a toy manufacturer called Tectoy. Uh, Tectoy was a uh, premium toy manufacturer, so they had all kinds of you know rich kids toys like uh, laser tags, talking robots, or whatever. You know, the kind of kind of stuff that your, your rich cousin has. And uh, Tectoy made a partnership with Sega to start manufacturing the Master System there because I think it was cheap first. And second, um, Sega was kind of desperate uh, to reach uh, another markets because like, the master system was well a in the huge flop too. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't <laughs> selling very well in Japan. In Japan, was awful. Was ridiculous. Uh, in the United States, wasn't very good. So they they start reaching for uh, South America and Europe. And uh, for us, it was good because it was the first time we had an official eight bit console uh, being manufactured in Brazil. But and we it, it, it believe it or not there. There's you can find new master systems being sold nowadays in Brazil if you go there, but um, of so but the problem is officially we have 
we, we had uh, a huge official Sega market there and some gray market Nintendos, but the Nintendo market there, especially the Famicom uh, market, the, because of imports and and clone systems there, was massive. Mm, yeah. So it wasn't, it, that's not true. We didn't have like 80%, 90% of our markets as Sega, no. Officially, Officially, yes. yeah, but on the streets. Yeah. Streets are getting no. those Nintendo hookups. No way. <laughs> no way. You could, uh, especially because you could get like a Famiclone for like a fraction of a Sega console. Like the Master System was quite expensive that, back in the day. Like, And uh, the Famiclones were like, oh, Chinese stuff. So you could buy like two or three Famiclones for the, for the price of a Master System. Right. And so with the, uh, were they also clone carts too? So you could get like... Yes. <laughs> and were the carts kind of like those all-in-one style carts, or were they like a, you could just get like a clone Super Super Mario Bros or whatever? No, you know what? Uh, I have a friend, a friend of mine, Saulo, which is a, uh, a huge uh, NES Famicom collector. He collects only clones. I love that. I and love it's bootlegs. crazy. It's crazy. Like, we had really quality cloning stuff. They're like, it's... <laughs> They're, they're pretty the, the, the cartridge was pretty pretty uh, uh, cute you know because they're like the small Famicom ones we had the big uh, NES we had both uh, uh, both models the uh, 60 72 and 60 pins both uh, this Japanese and, and uh, North American uh, art format there and we cloned both uh, and uh, but the small ones they're like very cute they have a spe- uh, uh, unique art of course most of the art is ugly but you know it's <laughs> it's cute like they 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 um took their time to make uh, to try to make it like as as good as possible when it's it, and and you could find those cards everywhere and, and it's not like this uh 100 and something stuff in one no it's like unique cards for, for oh, each game interesting and and they they were they were uh, I remember they they used to be uh, you you could find them uh, they were sold like in you know blisters like GI Joe uh, uh, oh, yeah. toys like not, yes. not in boxes like you yeah so I know what you're saying it's like got the cardboard back and the clear plastic front. yeah you could go to the supermarket and grab a bunch like by <laughs> <laughs> browsing using not not like in boxes with manuals and whatever no it yes. was pretty cheap pretty cheap package. That's so funny. That's interesting. So, did you have a bunch of these clone carts and stuff growing up? I had some because uh, my my story is quite weird. Like, um, uh, I have a brother, and uh, we had this kind of arrangement in my family. I don't know why, but I could never ask for a video game for Christmas or whatever because I was the uh, elder, eldest, uh, oldest son, and. Uh, if I ask for a computer, for example, they would give me because I don't. I think they were like, "Okay, now you're gonna use it for studying." Like nobody did it, but like you're gonna right. use it for studying or whatever. Right. Well, of course, it would use, use to play games, but but my brother could ask whatever he wants, and uh, he and he always went for video games. And uh, so every video game I had until I guess the PlayStation were my brother's video game. It's like the reverse. Like mine was like the other way around, where my older brother, because he was older, you know, oh. he he first inherited mm. all the games and consoles, and I'd play them until I got older and got my own. But that's funny that it was your younger brother who was getting all the consoles and stuff. 
and uh, and um, he uh, he had uh, we had his games, but we used to rent a lot. Like the, um, the there were like uh, uh, rent shops in Brazil where where you can find like most of the cards. But I didn't. We didn't had a lot of cards, but uh, especially because they were quite expensive back in the day. But we used to rent a lot, and we had we, we used to live in a big. Uh, in a neighborhood full of kids, so it was like we, we could like trade cards with kids all the time. Right, 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 yeah. And then some kid takes your cart and runs off with it, and you have to track yeah, him down a week later and be, like, give me my goddamn well, game. <laughs> we had, I had, I have a couple of weird stories about this, like like the kid that stole my Steel Empire, and I almost like I, I was ready to go to his house and beat him. And um, and another time there was a, a time where I remember like my father had to intervene and go to a kid's house because the kid didn't want to return the cards to me and uh, yeah mm. at some point I decided I okay like no more with, I had something like that with Pokemon cards when I was a kid oh. yes where I went over to a friend and uh, he kind of conned me out of all my Pokemon cards and then my mom sent my older brother to go retrieve them <laughs> so, yeah yeah I had a. Uh, um, I remember, like, I was into shmups like very early, and now, well, um, the Mega Drive, like, when my brother decided he didn't want the Mega Drive anymore, he gave it to me, and uh, that's when I, I started playing uh, console uh, shmups. And I remember I went to a shop and I traded some game I didn't want for a, a Steel Empire that I had no idea what it was because the box art was quite confusing. Not sure if yes. you uh, know. And I said, okay, this sounds funny. I'll take it home. And I ended up loving the game. And um, there was this kid. He uh, asked, oh, can I take this for a couple of days? Yes. And uh, he never returned. And he left me a Shadow Dancer, you know. <laughs> and uh, I didn't like the game. He just left Shadow Dancer because it was a card he had there. Like, So uh, yes. uh, just just take it this one and then we uh, we'll get it back when he returns. But, but no. And then my father had to go there and say, hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> Hand it Talk over, to punk. his father and say, hey, your kid took my kid's cartridge. <laughs> and he really likes it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I actually had a, a reverse of that where uh, a kid came over to my house and he brought all of his... Uh, he brought like a box of SNES games over. And we're like just hanging out and playing SNES games and stuff. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll uh, come back and, you know, get them next week or whatever if you want to play them i was like cool so i'm playing this guy's snes games for a week and during that week he moved away and he moved like out of state i never heard from this kid again he just his family just moved i guess his parents were probably like uh oh, screw your snes games we gotta go so i ended up mm -hmm. with just this box of snes games <laughs> from this guy so i had like a lot of a lot of them are actually duplicates so i had like two donkey kong countries two super mario <laughs> worlds two Super okay. Mario Karts for years. What, what if I took my time to show you something? I found his this thingy here. That's, that's Oh, the yeah, card. baby. Well, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, the notice is 1944, right? Yes. It's unofficial. It's a, it's a hot. That's really cool. This is that Tiger Heli. The label is pretty messed up, but... Nice. These are pretty cool. That's Crisis Force. Yeah, so they put some real effort. I was imagining it'd just be like super obviously bootlegged, right? And but no, this, they put some effort into this, it. This one here is quite special to me because it's first it's Zanuck, 
Mm -hmm. It's it's a Chinese card, but uh, the fun fact is Sonic was never released in Japan. It, it's exclusive, exclusive for the Famicom Disk System, so it's a Japanese card of a game that was never released in Japan. <laughs> nice. That's that's it, the market in Brazil. <laughs> but yeah, you were saying that you you end up with a box of of NES cards that weren't yours, right? Yes. So everyone, uh, to pick it back up on my little story, so I ended up getting these box of duplicates of uh, this guy's SNES games. <laughs> I ended up selling a them a few years later on eBay. Well, not a few years later, like a decade later on eBay for a bit. Now I wish I would have kept them because now I could have sold them for a crap load of money on eBay at this rate. So got it so so a little early. If you are the kid that borrowed Mike uh, Mark's the, uh, the cards, he always owes you some money. <laughs> yes. If you're watching this, he owes yes. you some money. He's like, he's <laughs> he's going through all these YouTube videos. He's like, there's that son of a bitch. I found yeah. him. <laughs> it wasn't my he, fault. He, you he left had, your stuff here and then moved. I didn't. I had no no nefarious my, part of my part. He has my my copy of Chrono Trigger or something really expensive. No, like, he didn't mm, leave me anything. He still, cool. he, he still has my Chrono I wish, Trigger. Then. I wish he left me something cool like that. It was mostly like Donkey Kong Country, uh, Donkey Kong Country Two. Super Mario Kart, Super Mario mm -hmm. World, like very common games. He wasn't dropping like Final Fantasy three off or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, you know, I, I never, I never played this those fam famous RPGs on the SNES. Like, I, I have no patience for RPGs. Me neither. The only one that I actually played a lot was Super Mario RPG. Hmm. Because it was much more accessible, and you could jump on stuff, timed hits, all that sort of thing. You the only one I, I really put some time on was the Fantasy Star uh, series, but like, mm. I never went back to RPGs after that. Well, that's not true because I forgot to mention that I played the shit out of Pokemon Red and Blue for years. <laughs> like, I've probably beaten that game a hundred times at this point in my life. <laughs> I love those. Yeah, Pokemon is fun. I, it, it never got me, but my wife loves it. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I never really advanced beyond the second generation of Pokemon, so I was really into Pokemon Gen 1 and Gen 2, and then after that I was kind of like, nah, I'll just kind of stick with these two Gens. We'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other things about gaming in Brazil? What was the arc... It Was there an arcade scene? It doesn't sound yes. like it. Oh, okay. So what was the yes. arcade scene like? Um, yeah, there's there's another thing that I think it's it's interesting to mention uh, about the gaming scene in Brazil before we jump to the arcades. It's um, uh, as I mentioned, like we uh, it took us forever to have like a proper uh, uh, console scene going on there because like it's um, because of all this imports uh, difficulties rules. and uh, yeah rules and whatever. But but one thing. That because it was much easier to uh, copy games to your friends and from your friends uh, were computers. So uh, oh, yeah, I bet you had a big old bootleg scene down there. Yes, <laughs> the uh, computer scene in Brazil, especially uh, NSX, was like crazy uh, blooming back in the day. Like it's, we had our own games. We had uh, people pirating pretty much everything. Uh, some hacking stuff like people doing hacking uh, hacks and and really reverse engineering stuff to make things happen you know to uh, allow you to uh, copy games very easily it was big like uh, for most I wouldn't say most but for a lot of people in Brazil you know you probably 
jumped and no, I would say you but like the I remember, uh, as far as I know the uh, regular American kid jumped from the Atari to uh, to 600 to the NES like it was like a natural transition right in in Brazil since we only had the master system in 88 uh, the most people switch it from the switch from the um, 2600 to the MSX. Oh, wow, interesting. And the MSX is I would say pretty good for gaming. Like it's like if, if the only thing you had was for an Atari, the MSX was amazing. And uh and then people switch it to a NES or a Master System. Right, so there's that in between there between yes. the Atari and the NES. And the MSX community in Brazil is quite fun one because the guys are like crazy fanatical like you know in Brazil we have this soccer thing that we when we love something we really love it like it's, it's like a matter King of, of fighters. like exactly <laughs> and yes. uh, the MSX guys are quite fanatical like they compare everything to the MSX they start like huge flame wars in the internet and whatever but anyway <laughs> and uh, but yeah there's a uh, We had a pretty uh, strong uh, MSX and uh, Amiga scene in Brazil. Yeah, and I think that, like, uh, I think Europe was somewhat like that as well, right? They had much more interest in the sort of com those older gaming computers. My first gaming computer, funnily enough, if, you, if it even counts, was the Apple II. I actually gamed a lot yeah. on the Apple II. Yeah, I remember. I remember some good games in the Apple II. Not a lot, but some good games. It's interesting because the Apple II has not... New It, it has no even colors, you know? Yeah, I can't remember what exactly I was playing, but I remember I could put them all on a floppy disk and throw it in my flop, throw it in my Apple II and just go ahead. I remember them being pretty simplistic games, though. It wasn't like I was playing NES-level stuff on there. It was, like, not oh, even Pac-Man-level stuff, probably. I remember, that, well, there were some very complex games for the Apple II, but you probably just didn't have a chance. Like, I remember that there yeah. were Karateka, That was pretty good. And uh, there was another game called Captain Goodnight, which was really good. But apart from that, I never had an Apple II. But but on the MSX, it was much more like an arcade stuff. Right, yes, the, definitely. The, the, game, the games were, were really like, try, they, they tried to do their best to, to mimic the arcade capabilities. But uh, that, well, that's just the only thing I'd like to highlight about this, uh, the, the, the home gaming. But the arcade was always strong. In Brazil. Okay, yes. What What's the arcade scene like in, in Brazil? Well, um, back in the 80s, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's an interesting story about this, too. Um, my grandfather was a lawyer, and uh, when, uh, when we were, me and my brother, when we were really young, uh, he used to take us to the arcades. And, uh, but the arcades in Brazil were kind of, you know, dodgy places. Like, it's not the kind of place where you, you will take a kid and Interesting. Uh, yeah they were not for kids definitely like, like people doing drug deals and shit I'm assuming I wouldn't say drug deal because we were in the middle of a military dictatorship you could end up dead if you tried but uh, the problem is like there's a reason why people build arcade machines with ashtrays you know yeah <laughs> yes very true so you see there's like there's no uh It, it was not a place for kids. And there was strict regulations 
saying that if the uh, the child is not 14 years old, they cannot even be there. Right. It's more like a bar kind of thing. Yeah. But my, my grandfather was a lawyer, and he knew everything about these laws. And he was into arcade. He liked to play arcade games, so he took us there as an excuse for him to play. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and when a policeman or someone approached him, he used to give all the lawyer bullshit to the police guy, and the police guy went out, and that's it. Like That's how we managed to play arcade games so early. <laughs> but... <laughs> And um, there was, uh, I remember there was, a, the pinball scene was really, always really big in Brazil. There's huge pinball oh, communities, even nowadays, like people restoring and modifying and whatever. Right. It, and, but the uh, arcade scene was always good because of Taito, especially. Uh, there was an arrangement, I'm not sure about the story, but I remember the, there was a, one of the, there was a founder of, Taito Brazil that went to Japan and got rights to take the machine straight to Brazil, something on a government arrangement or something like that. So the first generation, like Space Invaders, uh, Galaga, Pac-Man, uh, and the you know the good old classics, like they went straight to. Uh, we got the, at least the uh, just the, the PCBs, not the uh, the cabinets. The cabinets were all ugly in manufacturing in Brazil, like, but the PCBs right. were... We managed to get a good batch of PCBs, and this batch of PCBs were, like, cloned ad infinitum, like, people... Like, yes, <laughs> yes. But he managed to bring these uh, PCBs to Brazil, and we learned to make our own PCBs, so we started just importing the ROMs, the ROMs. Those, <laughs> so, that's crazy. And uh, and then the, uh, the the scene there bloomed. Like the uh, arcade scene there was always very strong. Uh, we had, but mostly clones. Like we didn't have, we, we didn't never manage to have like proper original arcades. Right. Uh, unless uh, there are like two or three places in. Uh, I remember like in São Paulo we had a amusement park called Play Center. Um, this was a massive arcade. Like. I can't even can't even imagine, but this was like probably imagine like two or three blocks, like uh, 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 housing blocks of arcade machines there. Like it was wow. a massive, yeah, it was like a massive amusement park with a massive. It was the biggest arcade I saw in Brazil. Uh, actually, in my life, I never saw something that big. Like and thousands uh, of machines, it sounds like. Yes. And this wow. is the only place I remember. And my my cousin used to live in Rio. And we went to Rio once. And I remember in one of the... Uh, it was a very uh, uh, fancy place. One of the shopping malls in Rio was another place about the same size. And, uh, and it was the first time I saw like original machines like Afterburner and uh, G-Lock, the R360, that crazy machine that mm -hmm. could like you could sit inside and do like 360 degrees uh and uh what else oh all kinds of original stuff like uh four player gauntlet uh and all, all kinds of stuff that we never we could never see in sao paulo for example that's really cool so i wonder how were they getting all that original stuff were they were they paying, just paying those import feeds paying a lot oh damn someone <laughs> definitely got rich when when this transaction happened but like we're talking about a really uh, specific place like this amount this amusement park 
it was massive in the middle of Sao Paulo. So I think the uh, it was like a part of an investment, like an investment plan. Right, they had the budget for it. And they used to charge for you to get in and then charge for the... We, we never played with money in Brazil. That's an, another interesting thing. Like you never, you could never put like regular coins into a machine in Brazil. Right, they're you all had, in-house tokens type of thing. You had to, yeah, you have to buy, trade money for the coins, the arcade coins, and then you just use the arcade coins. You never could, you could never put like real money in, in machines because this would characterize uh, gambling. Yes, yes. Yeah, and there's Which, some American arcades that do that system as well. Or there's some American arcades that do kind of both. Like, um, mm -hmm. there's one in Boise where if you go and you put money into the change machine, it will spit out in-house tokens. But you mm -hmm. could walk up and throw a quarter in there if you wanted. So it kind of does mm. best of both worlds. The, the idea behind that is they're just guaranteed your money. If, uh, if you use yeah. the change machine, they're guaranteed that money. Whereas uh, if you don't, you know, you could walk out with a pocket full of quarters you didn't spend, and they're like, eh, no, 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. We want those quarters. The paint, the picture you're painting me, I'm starting to get a clearer understanding of what it's like. So I'm assuming that the modding scene in Brazil was red hot. You all were modding and yes. emulating up the nines. Because I remember when I was really into modding and emulation and like break, jailbreaking consoles and stuff. I remember a lot of stuff would come out of South America as far as, like, yes. in fact, when I modded my PS Vita, really early on, um, the instructions were all in Spanish, and <laughs> I can't read Spanish, so I had to, like, try and Google Translate these instructions. I figured it out in the end, but, I mean, that, like, I'm, a lot mm -hmm. of modding stuff comes out of South America, I do know that from following yes. the modding scene. Yeah, uh, this is, this is true, like, we, um, I guess because we, uh, it took us a lot to get into the official market. Like we had no shame into modding stuff, so we never had problems with that. Um, I remember most. Uh, a friend of mine was uh, he uh, used to own a gaming shop in by the late two thousands, and I remember he used to say like, if you find one PlayStation without a mod chip inside, I'll give it for you because like it's quite hard to <laughs> it wasn't possible to <laughs> and um yeah i remember my friend in idaho when i was in high school he had a whole side business uh when we were high schoolers of modding people's xboxes i do mm -hmm. wonder he probably i don't know how much money he made but that was like a whole little industry was modding people's xboxes and modding people's xbox 360s like well that was like a I whole bought, thing i bought my psp with money I made by modding other people's PSPs. Bingo! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mods were you doing? Were you do? Were you really early on doing the whole like battery exploit and all that, or were you just uh, later on where you could just throw the firmware on there? No, we. Man, I can even start like. <laughs> just to just to give you an idea. Okay. You know, there's a... Uh, I, actually, there's something I have to ask you. Just just put a pin on this. I saw that your nick is Mark MSX. Is it because of the computer or is it your initials or something like that? It is because of the gaming computer. But mm. it's a little bit of a trap because the reason why I chose Mark MSX is because I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. 
and mm. all of the cool Metal Gear names were taken. Like, I oh. wanted to be Sniper Wolf really bad, but there's, like, this, like, popular, what do you call them, like, streamer girl. Uh, that's oh, Instagram see. girl. That's called Sniper Wolf, so I couldn't use that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to use anything too che cheesy, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a deep cut here because mm -hmm. Metal Gear began, uh, Metal Gear 1 Metal Gear 2 began on the MSX. So I was mm -hmm. like, and I played the MSX versions of those games, and I really liked them, so I was like, Mark MSX. So, but outside of that, I'm not like an MSX expert or anything. I don't know all about no, it. No, it's just, I, I was curious about, yes. okay, Mark MSX, I think this guy. But it is named after the, kind the of MSX. Exposure. Yes. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, just to give an idea on the MSX, MSX topic, uh, there is the MSX1, which is a simple machine. Then there were yes. like two and two plus models. We in Brazil managed to <laughs> add the chips to turn an MSX1 into a two and into a two plus. That's awesome. It's like turning a master system into a Mega Drive. Right. So yes. it was the MSX2 so this, this is, is what had Metal Gear on it. Yeah, this is the kind of craziness that people used to go to <laughs> to have their consoles modded and 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 uh, hacked and whatever. So yeah, we had a lot of wild stuff there going on. Um I remember, well, of course, like we had like the the simple mods you could like cut the small uh, locks on the corners yes. of the SNES to, mm -hmm. to uh, use Japanese cards. This is pretty obvious. Same thing with the uh, Genesis. And uh, any flashcards? Flashcards weren't manufactured there, but we were like pretty much. Uh, I, I use flashcards. I think the first flashcard I had was for the Game Boy Advance. Nice. I yes, it was. I bought. In um, on a shop in in Hong Kong, it was called Lik Sung. Nowadays, it's uh, it, they they're turning to turn out to be Play Asia. <laughs> uh, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. the name the, the shop was called Lik Sung, and they pretty much sold like dodgy stuff. Uh, now they're official Play Asia stuff. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't know. I remember. Oh yeah, I remember something wild. We hey. had this Super Magicom. You know what's that? It's a Super Famicom with I, I can't think of it. I can't it's guess. A, <laughs> it's a imagine it's like it was like a Famicom cart, uh, Super Famicom or Genesis cart with a. It, it looked like a mushroom. You know, you you connect on top of the uh, the Mega Drive or the SNES, and it it came with a uh, disk drive. Oh, so cool. you could dump carts to disk drives and play only using disk drives on it. So, like, uh, it was like a disk drive flashcard? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if it... I think it... Yes. I think the you uh, the uh, the uh, Magicom used to dump the ROM to the uh, disk, the, the floppy disks. And when you're loading, when you're playing the game, you use the floppy disks to load the ROM to the RAM. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I actually have something like that called the Super UFO that can... Uh, it can rip the... It's like a thing you... You plug it into your Super Nintendo or whatever, and then you put your cartridge on top of it. It has like a slot for that, and it can read the ROM off of it, so you can rip your ROMs with it. Yeah, this this was pretty crazy, especially considering like the uh, the price of cartridges back in the nineties. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? I remember um, any Xbox uh, stuff. 
Was Xbox in the picture at all? The Xbox, I had one back in the day. I, I love the Xbox. I, I liked the the, uh, the black, original black, uh, the you know, the big one that uh, used to uh, compete with the PS2. I, I Back in the day, I had two. Uh, they had the PS2 and the Xbox, but the Xbox were never too big in Brazil. Uh, so there wasn't, because, because in Idaho, like I was saying, the Xbox modding scene was insane. Like that, yeah, the, people, for the 360, modded, yes. people modded the shit out of the OG Xbox. They modded the shit out of those things because it was like a computer, basically. You could, like, you could go to your friends and he'd load, like, almost the, like, not almost the entire, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Xbox games, but you could get, like, hundreds of Xbox games on a hard drive built into the yes. Xbox and... You could emulate stuff. You could play the Super Nintendo and the I have N64. A, I have a. And that I was actually my here. first experience with emulation. Was on the OG my, Xbox. My OG here, it's it has like a two terabyte hard drive, something like that. Right. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, I showed my wife a couple of days ago, and she said, "What do you want to do with this? Like, you want to move to a desert island with, <laughs> you know, you keep playing <laughs> things there until you die? Like, but yeah. Yes." And uh, but no, the the problem with the OG Xbox in Brazil, it was too expensive. The right. PS2, the yes. PS2 in ninety nine two thousand, uh, even in the gray market, was not very expensive. But I remember uh, I saw a comparison table here, and remember it was like about twice the price of the United States. Uh, the Xbox were like was like three times, four times. Because Damn, the hardware need... was more expensive, so and we people never weren't had able it. to like smuggle them across the border, Palo, uh, San Palo yeah. style, or whatever. Yeah, because the thing is massive. That is true. <laughs> it is huge. Like for the for yeah, you were going to play the same games, and you, you already we already had the uh, PS2 Slim that's, that's about true. the size of a DVD, so nobody yes. cared about. But on the 360 is another story. Yeah, I on bet. the 360, the modding scene was crazy. Like I remember the. Uh, friend of mine used to uh, unlock uh, jailbreak the uh, the uh, 360s and he made a lot of money on this like well he it was, used it's to... definitely one of the harder ones to jailbreak of all of the consoles yeah. that thing was because all the because 360s for people who don't know about modding 360s there's all these different variants of 360s internally like there's all these different chipsets and manufacturers and so you have to know when you're modding them how to break each of these chipsets and stuff. So it's also, like I, I watched a, a presentation on it that was like three hours long. It was like, <laughs> oh my god. And there's another thing about the, the Xbox, the, the 360. It was hard to just keep in your shelf and play it regularly because everything that Microsoft do is like biodegradable. It's like the bacteria starts to eat yes, it yes. from inside and they simply used to die by themselves. Yeah, the red rings. I had a couple <laughs> this problem. <laughs> I had one red. I have I have two Xboxes. The, the later one though, the later 360s, like the black ones. I think those hold up a lot better. And I have a modded one that has all these special. What's the name of the thing? The Elite model. Yes, yes. I oh. and I have. I get footage of my early death. Okay, here we go. No, don't don't worry. Your your camera is off. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have no idea what you're showing. But... That's right. It'll just keep recording forever. Okay. So here we go. The uh, this is the later model Xbox, the black ones, and I actually have a special one that has like these fan mods on it. I don't know if you can see. You can't see them when it's not on, 
but it has modded fans that keep it a lot cooler. And uh, this thing has never given me a problem. But I have another Xbox, the, the white models, those early white models. And it red ringed one time. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw this away, whatever. And so I smacked it and it, bro and it stopped the red ring. I was like, aha, fixed. And it hasn't red ringed you know, since, which is funny. You know, you know why? No, right? I have no idea why. Uh, the problem with both the PS2 and the 360 back in the day was the uh, there was an European regulation that was uh, started was adopted uh, worldwide to stop using uh, lead soldering. So mm. they had to switch to an eco soldering, and the eco soldering sucks. Like Blows the, the uh, it wasn't it wasn't no it wasn't thermal resistant. So when when the uh, console overheat and and, and cool down, start to they they were prone to cracks. Yes, I that's, heard about this. Now that you that's mentioned why, that, yeah, that's I heard why of... you smacked your Xbox and and you just like connected the, the pins together <laughs> and it started working. Yeah. Yes, I my friend, I, I remember this now. My friend mentioned like one method of fixing the Xbox Red Ring. I don't know if this is true or not. Was to take it, you know, take it out of its case, stick it in the oven, and like cook it. <laughs> Like, in what? Brazil, in Brazil, in Brazil, we used to uh, wrap them in duvet, you know. Yes. And when on, we used to keep the uh, the Xbox on wrapped in a duvet, so the solder will melt and reconnect. That's because crazy. Brazil is much hotter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You just stick it out on your driveway. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's that's really cool. So let I want to follow along with your personal history then with consoles did you have what was your sort of story with consoles were you the dude on the block that had all the consoles or were you sort of uh had to get them my later in life or how'd that all go my brother was the dude on the block who with all the consoles oh yeah right that's right <laughs> but anyway uh we um first one we had was the atari 2 uh, 2600 that i told you and um uh and i was like I like I mentioned, like uh, if if I asked my father for a computer, he would give me, but not a console. So right. I grew up playing the ZX Spectrum. He wanted you to be a like an astutious person. I'm, I'm yeah, I think he <laughs> ended up turning me into a nerd. But you know, I pay my bills this way nowadays, so I'm fine. I'm good with that. And um, so I play. I I uh, played a lot of the uh, ZX Spectrum, uh, a Brazilian clone we had then the msx but my brother has a console so i played the um a lot of master system and a lot of nes back in the day uh then we went to the mega drive the uh, the brazilian genesis my brother then bought a nes nes while i had the genesis so we this was a, a very good time in my life like we had both the snes and the genesis at the same time, it yes. was, there was no console war at home. So <laughs> I had them both too. I had both of them too growing up. And um, what else? After that, after that, my brother uh, got a PSX, uh, and I. Uh, at this time, I had an Amiga because I was trying to start uh, learning programming and. Uh, the Amiga and the gaming scene on the Amiga in Brazil was not very good, so it was great for the Amiga 500. But the 1200, which was the one I had, it was the 1200 was like like the end 
of the Amiga. Right. And uh, I wasn't very, you know, into, and uh, I was trying to more like use the Amiga for IRC shots and uh, know, you know, the coolest girl online or something like that, not playing <laughs> chat rooms and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was, I was pretty old at this time, but uh, and uh, uh, I remember on the PSX, I almost stopped playing video game at all because uh, I went to uh, to college and uh, to to the uni university, and I was like kind of you know try to play as much as I could, but it was interesting. But I just had no money for <laughs> for right. a video game. Right, and they're and, very hard to get a hold of, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 But I... Uh, What's funny, though, is, like, in a way, I do kind of wonder if having it be so a little bit, like, a little bit sort of illegal or whatever, if that made it a little bit cooler. Like, I can imagine, you know, like, you bring your friends over, and you have, like, a, a PlayStation, you're like, check this shit out, and it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Like, this, it seems like that is the one cool thing about it, though, is like it would probably like your nerd level might go down a little bit if you have to, like, smuggle shit in or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this. This kind of happened to me by the end of the university. Like I was about to to graduate and um, I end up with a Dreamcast that a uh, roommate just left in his stuff when he uh, he moved. He moved out of the uh, the. Uh, the, uh, the 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 shared shared room we used to live, and he forgot a Dreamcast there. I don't, I didn't even know he had a Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. I think he didn't like the console or something, but or didn't know how. To, I don't know. But <laughs> I end up with uh, I inherited a Dreamcast. So yeah, if someone is watching this video and yeah, I owe you a Dreamcast too. Uh, anyway, and, <laughs> put it um, in the mail. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, nowadays I would give you the Dreamcast. I'm not not, not sure if it even works. I still have it, but um, not my black one. My black one is mine. But the um, uh, a friend of mine traveled to the uh, to the United States and he brought me a PS2. Back in the day where there were no PS2s in Brazil, and this was really cool. Like I, 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 th I think it's, I, I, I imagine a console that was like not just used but abused. This PS2 <laughs> was like destroyed. Uh, we and it was also a DVD player. Did that come into? Did that come into exactly. play? Like you remember, girls you, come you, over you and can, you pull out the PS2 like DVD time. Exactly. Now yeah. you can imagine. You can imagine like four to five guys living in a shared shared house with one PS2. The <laughs> PS2 ne was ne were never shut down. Right. Never. Yeah. I learned how to to change the lenses because like. It was non-stop playing. Like we end up, and with pirate games, that's the best thing. The PS2 was when the piracy was like in, on the its highest uh, level in Brazil. Like we could get like PS2 games almost for free. Like it, so it could what, like. What were you it. doing? Were you mod chipping and then burning DVDs? Man, <laughs> that, was that phase, the strategy? There, there were phases. I remember the first wave of of uh, modding PS2 in Brazil was like a, a USB drive. That you could connect to it, and you could only play uh, CDRs, okay, DVDs. like pop starter type stuff. Yeah. Then there were uh, there were a really bad mod chip, a mod chip that destroyed my PS2. Oh shit! Uh, but it could run everything, like you could run everything. I remember this mod chip. Every time you put a DVD on the drive, a uh, 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 DVDR on the drive, 
my PS2 starts screaming. Literally, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the the lenses the lenses were forced. I don't know if the thing overclocked it somehow or whatever. But you put it there like you know to read. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this only lasted for a couple of months, and then I had to change the lenses and remove the mod chip. And uh, then the uh, it was called the Matrix Matrix chips. Not sure if you heard about them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I managed to. <laughs> Actually, I collect money because I said, "You guys, you know, you live with me. You destroy two PS2s. I need money for uh, to get the thing fixed." And uh, we end up buying a Matrix chip and a new lens. And I still have this machine. It's still nice. up and running. I have uh, like four broken PS2s <laughs> right now that all have broken drive. Oh. oh, that all have broken disk drives. But I, uh, but I just run them via you know, uh, yeah. free McBoot and everything now. <laughs> but I have like four of them. And I remember, oh uh, yeah, and there was another phase. The uh, last phase was the uh, yes, I got a network adapter and play on yes. hard drive, and that that's how I managed to make my lenses last <laughs> longer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the PS2 was definitely cool. Like, and uh, uh, but um, before the PS2, one game that I play like a lot, and I still play nowadays, is uh, Res on the Dreamcast. Oh yeah, I think it's. I think that's that's one of the games I I, I should put this on my top five because yeah. I can play this game like I can beat this game at any time today. Like, uh, you know, when the the thing is so indoctrinated, like you, yes. you know where the enemies are gonna show up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like yeah. that with Star Fox 64. Just have it down to almost not down to the frame, but like down to the second of what's gonna happen. And I, I never, I never enjoyed a 64. I don't know exactly why. Yeah, let's Just... talk 64. Did that ever make its way to Brazil in a big way, or is that a little, what was the yeah. story of that? Okay, uh, Nintendo in Brazil. I mean, official Nintendo. Doesn't have to be def- official, just among just among the player base. <laughs> yeah, but almost. Uh, I'll get there. Uh, official Nintendo in Brazil was for rich kids, definitely. Right. It was just for the elite of the elite. Like it's it was like, quite crazy it, expensive. It's like the Neo Geo of uh, Brazil. We maybe? had some. We had some kids with Neo Geos back in the day too, but like they were like. Sons of politicians and uh, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like they were like, or, or people or uh, people with uh, video game businesses. Like we had, not sure if they were popular in the United States, but we had a lot in Brazil. Uh, houses, um, shops, premises, like where you could go there, and there was like a new geo for rent for a couple of hours. I remember Blockbuster did that for a bit. But mm. I don't think it was super popular because I went to rent an N64 for like a weekend. I oh no, you couldn't that. take it home. No. You oh, you had to home. like. Oh, it's like a brothel. You had to go in there and yep. just play it. Oh, exactly. That's funny. But they had a nice, a very nice TV, a big TV there, a comfortable uh, uh, sofa and whatever, and uh, you pay per hour. And you no, could, that, you can't do that in America. That's like super illegal. <laughs> no. Oh, I see. Yes, but you no, can't it, run. It, you can't run business on on residential property. Like you couldn't turn your house into. Oh no, no, no! It wasn't. No, it, no, no, no. I mean, this wasn't a, a business, not a house, not some oh, okay. house. I mean, it was like a. Uh, it was like it, an arcade, same place, but with like consoles in it. Yeah, sort of. Instead of uh, it, it, on the same place where we went to buy cartridges or consoles, uh, or rent uh, cartridges, uh, there were like a couple of SNES and. Uh, Especially the expensive consoles like the uh, 
3DO and the Neo Geo and the oh, uh, the, okay. like in the like game shop. Yeah. On, on, okay, they were like they were like always a corner with the most expensive consoles plugged into a huge TV where you could pay per hour and play there. Oh, I've never come across anything like that. No, I'm not saying it didn't exist, but I never come across it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you could play pay per hour. I remember like that most of the Neo Geo I play in my life was, was on, on, on a premise like this. Interesting, rather than in the arcade. You know, after uh, well, I, I'm I'm talking about a time before uh, SNK uh, uh, started to uh, to uh, make hardware in Brazil. Like before that, we, oh, okay. we only had the you right. only had the AAS. Yes, the home console. Yeah, we had a couple of guys that went to the United States, bought uh, the AAS there, and brought to Brazil for this kind of business. Right. Exclusively for this kind of business. Makes sense. Okay. I'm on the same page now. Okay. So Nintendo was, you're either playing it in a shop or your dad's, you know, got some government the, connections. The No, the SNES was popular because, uh, yeah, the uh, this is another ridiculous uh, page in Brazilian history. But anyway, it's true. We receive official releases of the NES and the SNES at the same time. Right. The N- and that. the NES and the SNES were released in Brazil at the same time officially. So we end up having official SNES uh, manufacturing in Brazil. So at this point, they, of course, became cheaper. But uh, the N64 was crazy expensive. I think it's, I think it's because used to be comparative the PlayStation and the PlayStation you could get like games for peanuts right and nobody disc based yeah <laughs> the 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 pirate games for the PlayStation were like really cheap like the price of a hamburger for example right so you could go to a you could uh, I used to go every Saturday to my my local pirate and say oh what do you have new here and he used to give me three games uh, four games for three but but if I buy three I get one for free and uh, they were pretty good, like you know the quality of the pirate, pirate games were, were pretty good. Like and uh, this never happened to the Nintendo. If you had Nintendo, you had to buy the the cartridges, the the real hardware, and uh, the real yeah. hardware was Nintendo. And the Nintendo knew what you all were up to, and they were, they weren't having it. Yeah. <laughs> but but we also had pirate Nintendo sixty four games. Yeah, I imagine they. That didn't last forever, you know, the lockout chips or whatever they had on there. No, we had. I remember the uh, the the uh, bootleg uh, Nintendo games were crazy heavy for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> Probably you have you, a you, bunch you, of circuit boards in there. Or something. Yeah, I think there were like lots of I don't know dodgy electronics inside and uh, to to make the magic happen. But like I remember the stuff, yeah, yeah, I remember the the cartridges were like. You, you, we used to, to uh, a technique, a rule of thumb to identify if the cartridge was original or not, was to get the cartridge. To, mm, no, this is too heavy. Yeah. But yeah, we had. <laughs> and uh, my brother used to have a Nintendo 64. I was. This was the, the time where I kind of almost stopped playing games because I don't know. But, Everyone had that sort of phase in their sort of early 20s. A lot of people. And I was like, anyway. eh, I don't want to play this thing. This thing. And uh, the N64 was never. Heaven have such an appeal to me. Like, uh, I, I didn't like the games. I, I don't know, but like, it, I remember it was crazy expensive, and you had a lot of trouble getting games for it in Brazil. So for me, it just didn't justify the price. <laughs> right. Well, I'd, I'd imagine 
what's that that sort of lopsided market it would be kind of crazy like you go to buy a ps4 and the ps4 is 200 dollars and you go to buy an xbox and it's like a thousand dollars you're starting to be like okay screw the xbox yeah exactly <laughs> i remember when uh when i was um i saw the specs of the xbox and the ps2 everybody was rooting for the ps2 because it's a huge marketing success but i remember i saw the specs for the xbox and i saw uh, it was a computer a pc and i said man this thing is going to be expensive and yeah it went and nobody had it so well speaking of pc was peace now we've talked about like old school pc gaming but was more modern style pc gaming was that popular at all were you playing stuff like unreal yeah. or halo or you know uh, all that kind I, of stuff i my history with pcs was like i i was i was a stupid kid with my amiga and i you know kind of had this kind of ideology i was kind of i don't know i was i was all about like you know the cyberpunk manifest and the uh hackers and whatever and i was thinking and there was a thing in the scene about like the amiga is the cool computer for hacking right for the yeah. ha- hackers to be in the future and it's i like was the I don't know, of the dime or something yeah and <laughs> i was kind of you know my friends were like those kind of guys and yeah for me it was natural like why do i want a pc with windows and it was expensive it didn't have games back in the day it was true it was before the pc started to get good, good games yeah before doom yes basically. and uh the, the, the pc games were awful and, and you know the nerd it community was kind of ah, no this is ah, this is for the you know regular homer simpson not for me right and uh one day I saw Mame. Ah, yeah. Running emulation, running. I can tell you, Flying Shark. You so you see, mm-hmm. and Rygar and Black Tiger. Nice. What was I this saw, running on? What was it on? Uh, nineteen ninety-six. Was it and on Windows I, or what? What was the platform Windows. that it was on? Yeah, Windows. Okay. But uh. Actually, it wasn't even MAME. It was a dedicated emulator. Quite old stuff, but like it was a dedicated emulator before MAME. Right. And I saw it running, and for me, it was like, what? You know, <laughs> I, I, I saw my Amiga and said, man, you're sold. Like, it's, <laughs> Get out of here. You're past. Sorry. <laughs> you're done. Sorry. You're past. Sorry. And uh, that's what actually convinced me getting a PC, because I could do pretty much everything on my Amiga, like, kind of. Like, right. the Amiga was... Bah. But anyway, uh, I, I I could do pretty much everything on my Amiga, and uh, when I saw that, I said, "No, this." You see, Black Tiger Man, Flying Shark. Sorry, you're done. You know, this was, <laughs> it was the end of the Amiga era for me. And then from there, but did yeah. you get into did you get into Windows early Windows gaming like Blizzard or anything like that? Were you playing um, Diablo, Starcraft? Starcraft. Starcraft, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Diablo, I like Diablo. My wife is crazy for Diablo. Like we, uh, our, our marriage was built on top of Diablo. Like we, which one? Diablo one? Diablo two? Diablo three. Oh, okay. I know, I know. You don't like it, but no, I, know, don't. I, 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 <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but it's easy to play, you know, and she loves it. And she's like, she's not a a a, a heavy user. Like she's, she just want to, you know shoot things and throw spells and whatever yes, she don't, yeah. she's not into 
one cc whatever so yeah, uh, well, well, yeah my, when, the only game that my wife likes is the sims so i i know what you're saying <laughs> so. yeah my, my wife likes sim city and kirby stuff everything everything nintendo everything i don't play she loves it okay so starcraft were you i'm trying to think like were you really i'm trying to kind of pin down sort of what the uh the vibe was like in Brazil and in South America when it came to like the PC side of stuff like yeah, where, the, where, the, where FPS okay. is huge where people talking about what was that stupid crisis or no what was that game that came out that made everyone buy a graphic card was oh it, was it it's not uh, crisis it's something like that though we had the crisis uh, vibe the crisis fever for some time um, but I remember the game that made everything different was counter-strike oh we yeah. used to yeah. have used i'm uh, not sure did, did you did you used to have like land houses in the united states like for yeah just but for we all plane? played we all played like that was actually kind of popular in high school and we all played halo we'd all go bring our xboxes land up our xboxes and do like mm -hmm. a halo tournament and like it we, was what's crazy is that that was like the only time that like the cool people would play video games so it wasn't just the nerds like the, yeah, exactly. The quarterback <laughs> on the football team, or yeah. the guy who had a killer car, and all the girls like they would come and hang out and play Halo. It was like odd, but Halo was huge. Yeah, this was exactly the same, but with Counter Strike in Brazil. Like the this, the CS scene in Brazil was massive. It was kind of it was like a religion. Like people were like right. it was the same, the same thing that happened with Street Fighter and and King of Fighters. Like people, most people used to buy. A PC to play Counter Strike, and right. that's it. There were, yes, there were not even minefield, no, not even free cell, no Counter Strike. <laughs> yes, and they were like kind of. I I wasn't one of those uh, uh, specialists in on playing Counter Strike. It was never like it was too hard for me because my PC was crap. But I remember like lots of friends of mine were like crazy for Counter Strike, and there's another game that I think was a mod called Day of Defeat. I'm not sure it's a uh, it's a, a World War II based Counter-Strike with Nazis and uh, oh, fun. allies. And uh, <laughs> cool. this was crazy as well. Like People like used to play this a lot. Uh, what else? Starcraft were quite big too. I remember a friend of mine was like one of the top 10 Starcraft players, something like that, back in the day. Wow. The guy was like, no, the guy was crazy. Like, was he the, playing Brood War? He was no. He hated Brood War. He said Brood War was broken. So he's playing StarCraft he's One. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> he said he used to say he used to say Brood War was broken. He said there's something there that's, you know, some system, some mechanics. The new doesn't... the medics or something's like fuck these medics. I can't stand I, these I, Yeah, I don't know. I, no, he used to. I remember he used to complain a lot about the Protoss, but I think everybody used to complain about the Protoss. So yes, the Protoss. But yeah, but uh, but I remember he uh, he taught me how to play back in the day. Nowadays I don't even remember. But uh, back in the day we were pretty good. Like we were doing good on StarCraft. What else on PC? What about Doom Three? Oh yeah, Doom was everywhere as well. Like the Doom Heretic. Uh... But do you remember Doom Three specifically? Because that was the one that was that massive leap in like graphical fidelity and stuff i'm like if your computer could run doom 3 you're like you're like hot I, shit 
Because like Doom was... Three was so was so graphically ahead of everything else. I wasn't particularly into Doom. I had friends that played a lot of Doom Two. Mm-hmm. I remember because I think Doom Two was the one that allowed you to play uh, on on a LAN environment, right? You could network computers and play Doom. I think even Doom One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember which one. Not 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 exactly Doom Three, but oh yeah, Quake. I remember there was a massive Quake community as well. Mm, yeah, and and the guys were like not just playing Quake; they were like modding Quake, doing <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. the pro- the problem with Brazilians is like you give them something good and they start you know modifying everything and right. turning things into a different game. So yeah, did did you hear about the um, I forgot the name of this? It's a soccer game. It's a very popular FIFA. one. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's FIFA, but oh, there's that's one, all the one game. I know. Evolution Soccer. Those are the two that I know. I, I, yeah, I, you know more than me. Like I don't play this those games at all. But I remember the um, there was there is a one football game, one soccer game that the Brazilian hackers learn how to hack, <laughs> and it's still being released nowadays for the PS2. I think it's FIFA. I think it. it that's what it is. I, I, I just know that if if you go there, if you look for the name of the game, I can't remember now, but 2022, it's there. They just they like update the rosters and stuff. They're updating, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, that's funny. The players are the players that are playing nowadays, and it's that's uh, funny. The, the the uniforms and whatever. It's everything is updated. You can download and play in our PS2, like like it's a new game, like it's a new release. <laughs> that's really funny. So, from what but, I understand, when we were talking, though, you you currently are not in Brazil, right? There is a certain point no. where you moved from Brazil to the UK. Is that right? Yes. Um, so what was that like as a gamer? Oh, well, mm, well, it's totally different, I can say. It's uh, because the scene here, UK, is different as well. Oh, I and, bet, yeah. uh, it, So it's, I went from a, a, a weird scene in Brazil to a weird scene in UK. And it's like, it, it's, I don't know, uh, it's, there's pros and cons, I would say, Uh for example, everything related to the 8 and 16-bit here, uh, you have to be careful because they're PAL. And oh, PAL is, yeah. is 50 hertz. PAL stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, and <laughs> 60 hertz, 50 hertz. And, it's, and you were, I tried playing Sonic. When I first arrived, I went to a, a friend's house and he said, oh, let me show you. This is my... Uh, you like old stuff? Oh, okay, now this is my uh, Mega Drive and this is Sonic. Oh, you want to play it? Yeah, why not? And the music was off because it runs like 12% uh, low, s- slower than the right. 60. It's just like yeah. the, the down-tuned house version of the soundtrack. Yeah, it's depressive. <laughs> and and the you know and the screen is shorter. And it was uh, okay. Oh yeah, that's fine. Uh, but you know, ball stuff sucks definitely. Uh, well the my British fans, if I have some, will hate me for for saying that. But sorry, guys, that's true. Uh, and the um, and uh, but apart from that, it's pretty cool. Like I, I never afforded to have uh, many things that I always like to have in Brazil. I never always wish to have in Brazil. I never afforded because the the the, the there is no value for your money in Brazil. So you have to every time you want to, I don't know. Player, oh, I want to buy a PS5. I have a PS5 nowadays. If I had to right. buy a PS5 in Brazil, I will be probably waiting for the PS7 to 
to be released to get a PS5. Right, like modern, like contemporary, I guess you could say, like current gaming yes. must be like way easier now. No. Not, <laughs> yeah. I bought my PS4 in Brazil when, when I was still in Brazil. And I remember I, and I moved, I don't remember when I bought it, but I remember I, I moved to UK in 2016. I finished paying for my PS4 in Brazil with pounds. <laughs> Because yeah, it's too expensive. It was like on, like a like a monthly payment plan or something. Yes, I had how a much was plan. it? Oh man, I can't remember now. But I, I I remember it was like I could buy three PS4s. Right. Basically. Yeah. Wow. And the thing broke, and I had to sell it. And when when I purchased one for like one hundred pounds, it was like what? No, that, that's, <laughs> that's wrong. Got a blow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why don't so, you just okay? Here, what if you? Uh, wouldn't it, I don't know how Brazil rolls, but it'd be funny if you went to the UK, bought a PS4 in the UK, and just mailed it back to them. You're like, I'm just returning my PS4. Here it is. <laughs> no, get out of your payment yeah. plan. You know, there's <laughs> some some people some people they they do crazy traveling plans when you live in Brazil, and uh, I have a couple of friends that especially when the PS4 was released in Brazil, they used to cost four thousand reais if I'm not wrong, which was not as close as what I paid. Like I didn't pay that much. Like this, this amount is crazy. Like four thousand, four thousand reais is like. I remember you could buy like probably four or five PS4 PS4 with this month. Right. And uh, I remember people used to get tickets to United States and do like we, uh, like I mentioned, like in the, the beginning of this uh, this interview, like people used to squeeze like two or four PS4s. Yes, in, I've heard of this. The luggage and take it to Brazil and sell it for, I don't know, three thousand. And still make a lot of money. So yeah, I don't know when this is gonna end, but this this uh, regulations uh, exist because they, uh, according to Brazilian law, they treat video games as gambling equipment. Mm. So they they consider it as lot machine or a... probably just very useful to get all that that tax. On oh those yeah, bad boys. <laughs> That's oh yeah, probably the idea. But, you know, it's like uh, PS4s are. Gambling machines and also yeah. uh, weaponry. <laughs> so you yeah, need to pay your yeah. weaponry tax on them too. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember when the PS2 was released. Some someone published something on the internet saying that it could like be used for ballistic calculations yeah. to launch missiles. <laughs> yeah, you can use it every every computer to do the same thing. So why use a PS <laughs> PS2? But anyway, well, but yeah, sorry, I I, I got lost in your last. Uh, Less well, I was saying question. the big the big shift in uh, being a gamer in the UK. So you can oh, buy yeah. PS5 and you can buy PS5 no. games now. No, man, you can buy, you can buy. Basically, like for in in Brazil, for example, if you need to, you need to plan ahead to buy everything you want. Right. Pretty yeah. much, like you. Is that just uh, like everything or just electronic? Oh uh, no, I'm talking about video games. Like the other right. stuff, uh, uh, there's some stuff that is quite. For example, cars in Brazil. The price of cars in Brazil is ridiculous. I imagine. And uh, but uh, especially compared to the U.S. and here to U.K. prices, like like ten times the price of a car. But uh, everything you want to play, you you want you plan to get like to buy in in terms of electronics or video games or in Brazil, you have to plan ahead. Like you have to to <laughs> to have a saving plans or a, I don't know like you mentioned like split payment like monthly split payment or something like that because like otherwise just no like you don't get it right and, and with the ps4 
uh, piracy on that thing is much more difficult than on like a PS2 or whatever, right? So yeah. even if you got Actually, a PS4, you couldn't like yeah, just throw I, I, pirated I, I, discs I, I, in I'm there not, or anything. Yeah, I'm not even aware of of piracy on PS4. A friend of mine is a big modder, and uh, he's uh, he's he knows everything about this, but he never mentioned the uh, how's the PS4 doing. It's still like if I think if you wanted to like pirate stuff on the PS4, it's Unless I guess you're living in Brazil or something, you have to pay a bajillion dollars. But it's like way more trouble than it's actually worth just to buy the games, you know? Oh yeah, especially because the thing gets updated all the time. Like it, yes, it, yeah, it needs to go Sony's, online. And... Yeah, Sony's locked that thing down pretty good. Yeah, but uh, here in UK, no, like it's here's uh, affordable. I think it's much closer to the what the your your situation in the United States, for example. So you want it? It's okay. Like you. It, it could be a little bit more expensive than you, I don't know, split payments or save some money, but it's possible. In Brazil, for example, we have a... There's a guy... It's it, There's a quite sad story, I'll tell you, but anyway. Uh, I won't tell his name because he's a very known person in Brazil, but he's one of the pro players we have in terms of shmups. He participate on the uh, that uh, La Calici Cup. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, and he participates on many championships online. He cannot play anymore because he has a really he had a really bad job and no money for a a better computer. So he basically is running everything that's the, all the games are stuttering. You know, Softstar that we uh, yes, arrange yeah. for you to have a copy. He can't run Softstar on his computer. Damn, and it's he like can't pay Windows for anyone. Windows ninety eight or something. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, computers he, computers are hard to get there then. No, they're just expensive as any other electronics. But the guy has a has a, a bad job and a bad payment, and he's going through difficulties. So he's unfortunately uh, one of our best pro players in terms of shmups. He's not participating because he cannot afford a computer. Damn. Yeah, we're trying to do a. I don't know. I'm, I'm planning on doing something to gather some money and and help him get one. But right, and it, like, for example, I have. Like, let's say you're just buying a mid-range gaming computer, you know, here in the U.S. You could, especially something just to play shmups with, you could probably get something for, like, 200, 300 bucks, something like that. But in Brazil, it's, like, triple that, I'm assuming. <laughs> ten times. Holy shit. <laughs> Eight to ten times. Wow. Maybe That's it'd be... A, that... Would it be possible, like, to just ship him a computer rather than send him money? I... I think so. That's, or would that's they like tax his computer when it shows up in the mail? Even if they tax, it will be cheaper to to do this than to uh, uh, buy the parts. To try to buy 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 something in Brazil. Wow, that's crazy. Mo that's, what about monitors and stuff like that? Like uh, computer I, monitors? No, this is monitors are, are are okay. Like we have uh, manufacturers doing monitors in 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 Brazil because they're the same. Uh, the same manufacturers that do TV, so at this point right. it's okay. Like they, they oh, okay. are affordable. The problem is hardware, like right. PCs, the, the chips, like things yep. with like little chips in them and everything. Yeah, uh, motherboards, RAMs, CPUs. Yes, and... Yeah. Well, right now too, even nationwide, all that stuff's way more expensive. Yeah. 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 I got, <laughs> uh, I got sponsored by Nvidia. Not sure if I told you this, but uh, the uh, Nvidia Nvidia guys in Brazil said, "Oh, you are the only." channel in brazil talking about shmups so we're going to sponsor <laughs> you 
That's cool. And they sent me a, a new video card, but and, and even then they said, okay, we're not going to send you the best one because it's quite hard to get one, but this one is quite good for whatever you're doing. That's crazy. I remember I was going to, uh, for Elden Ring, I was like, okay, maybe I'll uh, beef up my graphics card. And I was even I was looking at prices like, nah, I'm not, I'm not mm. buying a new graphics card. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to play this game. I didn't, um, I got busy this month and I never, I don't even watch the videos, but I'm curious about it. Oh, Softstar? No, no, Elden Ring. Oh, Softstar Elden I Ring. Played, no, I play, I play Softstar a lot. Okay. But... Well, <laughs> I would say if you get Elden Ring, if you have anything other than a PC, get that version because my mm. PC is pretty beefy. It's got solid stuff in there and it's, it's struggling deeply to try and run that game well. I wish I would have brought it, bought it on the Xbox One X instead. But the uh, the software guys in Brazil were like freaking out that they were playing it. What were they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they were really, really, really happy that you played it. Like they they, they were very proud of the game. Um, I, I didn't participate in the game. I was just helping them to you know talk about it and, and yeah. give it visibility. But they they were like, oh my god, they're playing it. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh... I would, like I was saying, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of South America as of late, as far as like arcade style games, right? Like my favorite beat 'em up ever, Fight and Rage, that's out of Uruguay, and then mm. you have uh, Softstar. So I think this, and it, it makes sense, you know, a region that's been so deeply rooted in arcades and 16-bit era stuff, and you know, mm -hmm. it would make sense for a region like that to start producing really good games. The the, uh, the problem we uh, we have into uh, in, in start for example developing uh, more advanced games in Brazil is because the uh, internal industry is not very good. So we don't right. have any kind of incentive, for example, for uh, even the college. Like if you go to a uh, game design uh, course in in university, they like you could end up going to the market and not getting hired like you end up doing boring stuff like i do nowadays like back-end development and databases and networking and right yeah and it's like you end up like doing an it technician not a, a game designer and uh because that's what our market has to offer like you you so most people don't feel they should do this you know right and well, uh yeah i so, definitely know what but, you mean living in idaho it, it's not like i'm gonna drive it's not like there's, yeah. there's a lot. There's actually a lot of tech jobs out here, funnily enough, but not any video game industry stuff. But you know what? Here in UK, there's plenty. Yeah, no Rockstar and all that shit out I there. I worked. I worked for a a, uh, a video game uh, a game developing company uh, in 2019, and uh, I was amazed when I noticed like, wow, well, they're everywhere here. Yeah. In in Brazil is. Probably this is probably the biggest difference. Uh, oh, another thing, the this is probably not not different for you, but for me it is. When I moved to UK, one of the first things I remember that was shocked me mm -hmm. was I I was with my wife and we were taking a bus. That, you know, one of those double decker red yeah, buses yeah, yeah. that are everywhere here in London, and uh, there were like uh, I can't remember the game. I think it one of the Assassin's Creed game was. It was getting released and the bus was like um someone made those you know huge stickers to oh <laughs> yeah 
There's like advertising on the bus. Yeah, we were looking at it. There was. Do you see that? Like, there's a video game advertising the side of a bus. Like, yeah, you know it's crazy. Noticed? I don't see a lot of video game ads these days. I don't have watch cable, so that's why. But mm -hmm. it's like, if you're not plugged into real mainstream cable and TV and all that sort of stuff. You start to lose track of what what's actually being advertised to the mainstream people and stuff. No, but the the fact is, in Brazil, video game is a subculture of a subculture. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it it for me seeing like that massive ad on on the side of a bus. It, it was I think the equivalent of seeing like I don't know a you know really underground punk band being advertised on the side of a bus because like that's <laughs> yeah, how we yeah. feel as a as a gamer right. in brazil like yeah. nobody takes gaming in brazil too seriously and we were like did you see that yeah that's <laughs> crazy i think this is the one of the biggest shocks like oh and when when you go to a uh, shop here in, in in uk that's that's another difference i was in the shop with my wife and we saw one of the first days we went, when we start to you know get London a little bit better and uh, we entered one of the massive big big uh, video game shops they have here and uh, there were I remember a family entered and there were like two or three uh, girls and a really small kid and they were like a family entering a game room and uh, a game uh, shop and buying stuff like and we were like uh, my wife said wait but there's like women Right, buying yeah. video game stuff. Right like in Brazil, in Brazil is like a boys' club. You yeah, know? absolutely. And she was like, "There's women. I like that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely know what you mean there. I, I I said this on a podcast that I was a guest on a long time ago, um, and I think I kind of offended the the guest on the show, but I wasn't trying to offend them. I was just because the topic at hand was girls and gaming and everything, and I just mentioned that I'd actually in my life never met a girl that was into games like in real life in person like I, I've never met someone like that and I was just mentioning that and uh, so I definitely know what you mean <laughs> it's definitely growing up yeah. was absolutely the boys club like and uh, and, and here here is totally different and and to be honest like I, I used to go before COVID to the London game market which is basically a place for trading and uh, buying stuff not just video games but uh, everything related to there's lots of women. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's also wife, like like a. My, well, my, my wife, my wife said, I for the first time I feel comfortable uh, being on a gaming environment, being a woman. Yeah, no kidding. I like, for instance, in high school when I'd have dates and stuff come over, I would take all my video games and literally throw them in the closet. I was like a literal closet <laughs> gamer, so I'd take all my stuff, get that in the closet immediately. Get the mm. guitar out, you know, put out the band stuff. <laughs> like, games <laughs> must be hidden. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it's a whole I, different uh, we, culture we, for we, a lot of people. In in Brazil, it's about the same thing. And, yeah. uh, and, the, and because of this uh, soccer mentality, people have to pick a team, you know. Right, yeah. Your team Xbox, your team Sony, your team Nintendo, your team PC, whatever. I hate this stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are rivalries and rivalties and, you know, uh, it's a pretty toxic environment. But here's pretty different. Yeah. And I, I could see part of that could be actually because this is just me, armchair psychologist here, is that because in Brazil, because there was such a high cost 
to invest into exactly yeah so you had to sort of pick a team it wasn't it wasn't yeah. like hypothetical like in yeah. for example in idaho growing up i had a sega i had a snes but this the whole rivalry thing for a lot of my friends like wasn't a real thing because we all had segas and snes's so it's like oh do you think the genesis is better uh i think the super mm-hmm. nintendo it wasn't a big deal right but in in, a, in an environment but it would change that actually changed with the n64 and playstation because those were a bit more expensive and so we really did start picking sides because some of my friends had playstations other of my friends had n64s and it was more of like a real real thing but i could see in brazil that could be even more heightened because of how expensive shit was like you literally did have to pick a team it's it's not it's not expensive it, it, it first it's expensive because you have to like you have to pick one and pay for it for years yeah so exactly you have to pick a team. And second, because it's kind of indoctrinated, you know, people, I don't know, our culture is a culture of teams, of, of you know, picking a team. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, interesting. And, 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 and there's yours and the wrong ones. And, right. And this kind of creates a, a very uh, convoluted environment. So believe me, you don't want to read the Brazilian video game forums. You don't I shall want not. To. I'll stay away. No, no I stay <laughs> well, away. I can't read them because I can't read any Portuguese or Spanish. No, but so I can't read them. Don't, don't even try. I can and I don't read. I hate it. So yeah. I kind of, you know, no, I avoid it. I don't like it. The worst side of the 90s console war in 2022. That's that's crazy, yeah. Because I would say, I think a lot of people uh, normally sort of feel that like the the whole console war thing has really died down over the past decades among most people. Because for one, the consoles are so indistinguishable from one another anyway these days. Like, what yeah. three games difference or something a lot of the time. But no, and uh, I guess the uh, another another uh, point is like. Nowadays, you can emulate everything, so you can yes, do a proper sure. comparison, a side-to-side comparison. That's something I, I do on my channel most of the time. Like I love it. I love running, for example, the uh, uh, PC Engine versus the 6x80,000 or the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, at the same time, put all three on the same screen and say, look, this is bullshit. They're the same game. Stop <laughs> right. bragging. You know, Stop I like crazy this. about it. And uh, uh, but back in the day, like and still nowadays, people now. Uh, there's another thing I hate is the spec comparison. Come on. Oh, Specs. like between you want, you want, you want, PS5s and X bones, or no? Yeah, like or like between the Genesis specs. and the SNES type of stuff. We have to remember that every low spec console won the console war back in the day. Interesting. Well, the, the SNES, the, the, the SNES. NES, the NES was a lower spec compared to the Master System and the PC Engine, and it won. Oh, yeah. That's I don't know much about eight right. bit. What about sixteen bit though? Because I, uh, I guess I would argue, isn't the SNES a bit more of a beast than the uh... sixteen? No, sixteen bit era was kind of uh, a different story. The Mega Drive. Let's let's make a, a quick comparison here. But the Mega Drive, the Genesis, was like a muscle car. Mm-hmm. Imagine an American muscle car. A lot of engine, a lot of of engine power, but pretty rough in terms of mechanics and technology. Yeah. DSNES was comparable to a more modern uh, Japanese car, for example. Lots right. of electronics, but 
the engine was not didn't have the too HP powerful. horsepower. No. So they were like kind of different things made for different stuff, but it's the same thing you asked me for example, what is better, a Ferrari or a 4x4? The answer yeah. is depend for what, depend right. on what you're doing with it. SNES did and have yes, those chips though. That really took it yeah. far, really far. Man, it's impossible to say that the SNES doesn't have one of the best libraries ever. Yes. Especially especially if you I don't I don't play RPGs, but I know the RPG library is massive, the fighting game library is massive, mm, yeah. the beat brawlers beat em ups, uh, beat em ups is yeah, massive. Massive. In terms of shmups, kinda sucks. But yeah, it's, you, you got Axelay, Super Last. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And Macross. <laughs> and that's yes. it. No. Yeah. You can you can you can pick oh, up. Oh, UN Squadron. UN Squadron's good. I don't like this game, but anyway. Uh but uh <laughs> It's just me. I think I'm the only hater, or UN Squadron hater everywhere. But anyway, um, but the um, and the Mega Drive is the other side. Like you have l lots of good games, but come on, the official Street Fighter though is nowadays we have the Pyron hack. You probably know about this, yes, right? Yes, yes, yeah. We have the Pyron hack. We have lots of people doing crazy stuff for the Mega Drive that were not possible back in the day, or yes. nobody tried. Right. But back in the day. Come on. I know, because I had both back in the day, and I played, like, game time-wise, like, 90% was on the SNES, and, like, 10% was on the Genesis. Oh, especially because it yeah. was the, you know, it was the, 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 the zeitgeist. The, 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 the spirit of the time was, like, the SNES is new, the Genesis is old. Yeah, definitely. Everybody but was I, You know, people have conflicting mindset. stories about that. But what about the next console generation? Because the PlayStation definitely won that one. And that one's kind of interesting oh. too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Sega Saturn is, uh, you know, kind of a bad design decision on Sega. But like, yes. for example, the uh, and and I don't touch. Uh, I call it the Brown Age of video games, which is the 3DO and the Jaguar. For me, they are like mm, no. But right. <laughs> 32x 3DO and Jaguar, uh, no. But uh, but the PlayStation PlayStation was, was a beast. pretty good but was a pretty good hardware, easy yeah. to develop, powerful, flexible, whatever. Sega Saturn was a mess. Like Sega, pretty much messed up with everything there. Yeah. And the N sixty four is not bad, but switching from CD to cartridge is for me is a stupidity. But for PS two, GameCube, and Xbox. The yes. PS2 is the worst hardware, by right, far. Right, absolutely, yeah. By far, it's, come on, it's it's. Do you stick the Dreamcast in there, though? Because if you stick the Dreamcast in there, then the then it gets complicated, because the yeah, no, PS2 the Dreamca is no, the more of a beast than the Dreamcast, right? Yeah, but the Dreamcast is kind of in between, you know? It's, yeah. it's The Dreamcast is not in par for a, for a PS2 comparison. I think it's kind of, you know, off. I like the Dreamcast, but... In, it's like a, it's a little, yeah, it came out a bit too early, hardware-wise, yeah. probably. But, but you see, PS2, between the PS2, GameCube, and Xbox, the PS2 is the worst, and it won. Destroyed, uh, yeah. The PS3 was the worst. But Come did on. it win, or did the Xbox X360 win? I think the 360 dominated the first half, and the <laughs> PS3 dominated the second half, because uh, after the... Uh, after the PS3 became really popular, after Sony started to, you know, 
drop the prices and not treat their product as a premium product because yes i think they it became popular and I'm dominated looking. the market especially because like people start to see the xbox 360 as a time bomb so that they, they i don't want to you know a thing with three red lights flashing out of yes. nowhere so i think it was started they started to, to take it as an unreliable piece of hardware it looks like in the end in the very very end it's so damn close it's saying this is an article from 2019 it says that the PS3 sold uh, 87.4 million units, and the 360 sold 84. So that's neck and neck in the end, I would yeah. say. Like, the PS3 uh, yeah. slightly takes it, but... Like, for me, though, there was no there was no competition here, at least among my demographic of people. Everyone had a 360. Like, what's a... Some people had PS3s, but the 360 was very, very, very popular. Yeah, and and the uh, I quite like the uh, the Xbox 360 library more, I guess. It's, yes, no, be much better. more. I play my 360 constantly. My PS, the problem with the PS3 is like all this stuff that was kind of worth playing on it is now better on PC. Like most of those mm-hmm. titles, the only one that's kind of still hanging out is like Metal Gear Solid 4, but everything else now has like a, a superior uh, PS4. Or PC version, yeah. Where well, the Xbox 360 a, still has some good stuff on it. I, I have a massive PS3 collection here. Like it gets, it's probably one of the biggest collections I always, I ever had, and I, I quite like it. But you know, one of the reasons that made me switch from the Xbox 360 to the PS3 is because um, PS3 is region free. Oh, I wouldn't know, because I modded both of them, so I forget about all that stuff. Oh. <laughs> Mine are... What's a region? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, I when I start getting... Finally getting original games, which came up pretty late in my life, I started getting... Okay, I want to have the original games in it, but the 360 were like, I want to buy an European game, I want to buy a Japanese game, it won't right. run. But what's a, like a, what's like a really good Japanese-only PS3 game? Katsui, maybe? No. Or what What would yeah. even be it? You know that Katsui was to be released for the PS2. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just couldn't quite and handle imagine it. Imagine, <laughs> like, I would, man, shit bricks with PS2 version of Katsui. It would be probably the best shmup on, on, the, on, on the console. That would be really and, cool. And I think the... Uh, but we have Ibarra and we have Dodonpachi and Gradius Fire. It's a bit... bit PS2 is not bad for shmups. Like it's it's really good. The PS3 is awful. Ah, yes. On, oh, it's it's horrible. Horrible. PS4 <laughs> ironically is amazing, but PS3 is yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. No. PS3 but is what, a joke. For, but what for is shmups. like a what is like a non like what a Japanese region only PS3 game that's good? Mm. I'm trying to think what that even be. Well, I don't know because I lived in Brazil when we had no PS3 games there, so everything was imported. So I right. had to, you know, right. I had to, uh, I had to look for all markets and see where I could get the game game for for less money and right. Try to well, import from what there. Is, good, uh, interesting question. Does Brazil have a region or is it NTSC? Um, most of the times, I guess it's NTSC. It's 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 compatible to the United States uh, consoles. Yeah. So you were playing we, NTSC consoles, right? There was there were like 
one or two times where we went like moved to a different like I think Japan and Australia for some reason. But apart, yeah, <laughs> where did we yeah, put I you? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember uh, where when when this happened. But this happened take one or two times. But apart from that, everything is NTSC. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think what would even be like a real good Japanese only. Because the problem is, is I could probably some RPG, but then you have to read Japanese. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, let me think. I can. Well, we had Kitsui. Uh, we had, and Kitsui is kind of a, a special version, right? It's not the regular arcade game. I think I heard it. There's something different on the PS3 version. It runs too fast. That's what. It's not good. Oh, it's not good. Hmm. That's why I'm so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm just fast. bad. But anyway, Getsu <laughs> uh, is kind of hard, right? I, I tried playing it, uh, you know. The, yeah, it's a difficult. Uh, yeah, it's difficult for I, sure. I love this game, don't get me wrong. But there's one thing I don't understand. Why is the bomb so bad? Because, well, it's ridiculous. I, I, it's I don't I don't solid. get the Ketsui's bomb. Because it doesn't is screen it? clear? Is that what you mean? No. Yeah, no. It's, it's like a targeted lock-on bomb. Yeah, okay. I, I don't get I don't get the bomb honestly. Like it's it's more like a special shot with you know a number of charges than than a bomb itself. I think probably because Ketsui is a bit more generous with them, so you get a good amount of them. So maybe that might be it. Mm, could be. Yeah, but that that's one. That's the only thing I don't get it like about Ketsui. Uh, let me think about Japanese PS3. No, I honestly can't remember now but like the reason why I, I i picked up the psg was because i could buy games from everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i could pick the best price but uh, if I, now i'm thinking if i were living like for example here in uk i would definitely go for the x 60 because i would have no need for <laughs> to import games right exactly and what's cool is Not the even... modern consoles now are all region free ps4 and all oh, that yeah. good stuff well, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not into the Xbox nowadays, so I'm not sure about how is it uh, if it's region free or not. Or I think so. Or, I think so. I, I every time I see, every time I'm going to write a, an article when a reviewer puts something on my videos about the uh, the Xbox uh, the versions, I see uh, this game was released for Switch and PS4. Yeah, Switch the Xbox PS4. gets gets hosed pretty bad in the shmups and in the arcade games. The place yeah. that I use it is mostly with like character action games, like Ninja Gaiden and that type mm. of stuff. It's good for that stuff, but yeah, like uh, shmups, it's deeply neglected, sadly. Yeah, I don't. I uh, every time I see it, uh, kind of mm, it should be on Xbox too because it's pretty much like a Steam game or <laughs> yeah, just because it's not a Japanese console, basically. Yeah, they they don't they don't bother. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Eh, nobody's going to play get, this. You can get Grega on the Xbox, though. M2 oh. brought Grega to the uh, the Xbox, but... Uh, and Dengun, I think those were the only two it brought to the Xbox. This is this is a game I would like to... to uh, not not Grega, but the other one... Uh, Dengun Feverin? No, I got this one. Uh, it's called... What's the name of the... The, the Pre... Uh, it was an early uh, I Rising game. It's uh, that was released the same. They got the same treatment oh, as, as Battle Yeah, Mahoda Saxon. Yes. Yes. 
Why did That's they release it physically? I'd like to, to get a physical release of this game. I don't know. They also didn't release it outside of Japan either. I think they thought it was too obscure, and they're like, oh, screw it. I guess. We like this kind of obscure game. Yes, I know. <laughs> Dude, that one's definitely overlooked. That one's really cool. Yeah, this is this is one of my all-time favorites as well. Should be on my top five. You see, that that's the problem. My top five already changed. You see? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, any other topics you want to cover before we end today's episode? Um, no, I don't think so. I let me let me think about if there's any kind of I don't know funny story about something that. No, um, oh, I don't think so. Like it's. Uh, maybe we we can do another we can do this on another day if you want like if, if I remember something that could be interesting to mention but uh, absolutely uh, let me think what could be oh we could <laughs> we could talk about the Zebu the uh, Zebo have you heard about Zebu no I have not this is uh, a brand new subject to me what's Zebo man at some point. Uh, Tectoy, uh, the the company that started manufacturing Sega in Brazil, uh, they decided to make their own console. Oh, <laughs> it's a Brazilian console then. It's not Brazilian. I think it was released in... They, they tried to release it in India and then oh. somewhere else and it's called the Zebu. And the Zebu is awful. But What's on there? Know, the only thing I reckon is a good version of Double Dragon, which is pretty cool. But apart from that, no, this, the, the Zebo, the Double Dragon is pretty good. The, the, this, this version is pretty good. But apart from that, a bunch of horrible games. Uh, but it had like online, it, it used, they, uh, they tried to make it uh, comparable to the Wii. Oh, okay. Uh, but it was ridiculous. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let me think about all the stuff that only happened in Brazil. When, uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm not the best person to talk to you about this, talk about this, because uh, I have friends that are much more into the arcade scene. They are like totally arcade historian nerds. Uh, but uh, I remember that SNK took Brazil by assault and started making like manufacturing and distributing their, their own hardware everywhere. So you literally could play. King of Fighters everywhere you go. Right. Like, yeah, that's what which, I've heard. Which is crazy for Brazil because, uh, just to put in context, like I mentioned, the arcade scene in Brazil, the arcade, an arcade in Brazil was a really dodgy place. Right. Uh, it was a place for, you know, imagine like a big city in Brazil, like the one I used to live, it was just uh, like a two million people uh, city in Brazil. In downtown, you have pretty dodgy places like you right, had, yeah. Uh, and the arcades were right there, close to bus stops and uh, cheap restaurants and uh, you know old office buildings and whatever. You had a small door with an arcade. Lots of it's more like more like a corridor, right? You know, yeah. With a counter by the, by the other end and lots of arcade machines there, pretty old. Most of them like needing repair. Like for example, you. <laughs> If you could try, if if you want to try to play, for example, Street Fighter Two, I bet half of the buttons were broken. Like right, you had to yeah. smash them to to make a punch yeah. because otherwise you will punch the machine more than your character punched the other. So <laughs> right. 
basically like and uh, no not to mention the control the stick like could not respond at all and the screen could go crazy all kinds of machines that never were uh, service it they were never serviced never main never had maintenance or whatever this is the kind of place where you decided okay let's play uh let's well, i want to play an arcade game and I'll go there you had to be brave man mm -hmm. <laughs> you really you you had to be really craving for a game because otherwise but that's the only way we had no internet back in the days like we're talking about the early 90s that's the only way you could like no new games is right. by going on this kind of place even sometimes most of the times i would say not even for playing because uh, if you one way of getting into trouble is asking for money for video games for especially for arcades so oh, yeah you could you, you had to you know snatch a couple of coins for the change here and there and go to play there so w when you uh, were brave enough and had some money to play in a place like this uh, and if you were stupid enough to pick up a fighting game, you could end up on a real fight because. <laughs> oh jeez! No, because imagine like you had like one or two, uh, one or two tokens to play, mm -hmm. and of course you're not a specialist. Like you, you know, you're just a regular guy that want to you know do a couple of hadoukens there, and that's it. But there in the arcade. There's a specialist there. There's somewhere that technically lives inside the arcade. And this guy is probably unemployed or, I don't know, had a bad job, but he's living inside the arcade and he knows everything about the game. Right. He can, once he see everything in there, he's the local specialist. And this guy will come to you and say, oh, can I play against you? And it, when he's gentle enough, because most of the time he's like, Bloop coin and you start having your your ass kicked <laughs> if you're a regular player like i used to be as a bad fighting games player but at the beginning of my my uh fighting game life i just didn't went for the fighting games because you will you would end up being beaten by one of those guys but if you were another specialist probably from another arcade right then you have a rivalry <laughs> like, you know, a Samurai Shodown thing, you know, he's a Tinjori, you know, two yes. specialists playing. And man, these guys used to bring their own crowd. <laughs> oh, wow. The crowd, the crowd from the other arcade. And when a crowd for the other arcade come to that arcade, the local crowd used to, to, to get together to just to watch, you mm -hmm. know. Of course, we expect, and most of the times, the fighting scene used to get like end up pacifically and on a civilized way by the end of the fight but okay oh yeah, yeah that was good one another token and that's it and i managed to watch some spectacular fantastic fights the choice was always king of fighters right absolutely because it was popular and specifically the most important characteristic of King of Fighters that made it so popular in Brazil, you play with three characters, right? Mm -hmm. So three guys could buy one token and play it. Right. Very true. That's one of the reasons. We were a poor country. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. No kidding. No, no kidding. That's, that's why. Like three guys could go to lunch together and say, 
you know, let's put a token on that machine. And the tokens, of course, they were cheap, but not that cheap. And said, okay, I'll, they three people would buy one token and right. play Each would fighters play against other three. Yeah. And if, and so you had six guys around the machine, <laughs> and more people around. Yeah. And people would, would be, uh, like it's kind of hard to explain it, but in Brazil things go very emotional, and people start shouting and rooting <laughs> and supporting and offending yeah. and whatever. It was a mess, but that's why people got so invested. So they feel like King of Fighters is for me. You know, it's the thing I used to to play because of this like you could play with friends you right could make yeah. a team with your friends and each one pick a you character, play a character and, yeah and the character is you you know you pick it so yeah and you're part of the team so you make it if you don't fight well we lose our token <laughs> oh, that's why i said you could end up in a real fight even right within your own team so <laughs> that's and, a really uh, cool story that's that's one of the reasons why uh king of fighters was so favored by Brazilian fans. Yeah, the whole team aspect. And you mentioned earlier that there's a real yeah. culture for teams, too, there. Oh, and I remember... Do you remember there was a... Uh, one of the bosses, I guess it's Rugal. Yeah. You could do it to cheat there and get Rugal. I saw a guy being spanked and kicked <laughs> out of the arcade because he did the trick to get Rugal, and Rugal was pretty broken. Yes, absolutely. Basically, the entire uh, 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 crowd that was watching got the guy and threw banned him out him. of the arcade. <laughs> He's no, banned. This, this is this is not fair, man. Like, <laughs> this, this is not a good game. You're you're not being fair here. And threw him out of the machine. Like that is so funny. And then the uh, the uh, the owner started to stick uh, a, a piece of paper on top of the machine, say like, "Please do not pick Rugal." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you will be thrown into the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Um, what else? Yeah, I think that's it for now. Like, it's uh, that's all I can remember now. But, yeah, like I mentioned, like, feel free to uh, whatever you want to talk about Brazil or other stuff again. Uh, just uh, drop me a message. Absolutely. And before we go, you definitely should talk about your channel a little bit. Kind of give a preview oh. and taster for everyone to check out your channel. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I there's a there's another cool story about this too. Um, I started doing my uh, my channel because I uh, well I write about video games uh, since probably the mid nineties. Uh, we used to have a blog uh, with I had used to have a blog with friends, um, and we used to just write reviews because I don't know we don't had like everything on Wikipedia back in the mid-90s. You probably remember that. Like, it yeah. was quite hard to get information. Not Absolutely. Even, I, don't, I, I don't think Wikipedia is reliable, 100% reliable, but it was quite much harder to find it. And we, we start discussing it one day and talking about it, and we, we came up with the feeling that, okay, if we don't write it, it's going to be get lost at some point. So we have to write, you know, <laughs> make a way to remember things in the future we, right. we thought like we never realized we were young we never realized like oh, okay things will be, get digitalized and digitized and we get even the pdfs of the manuals of whatever but we were more um worried about arcade games right and we started to write you know it was a pretty 
weird situation we used to go to an arcade play the games and go back home and write the, the uh, articles together it was a pretty fun thing but uh one of the guys uh his girlfriend was the web designer and when they broke up she was pissed off and deleted the whole blog oh balls <laughs> we lost yeah we what about lost. the Wayback Machine? You might be able to get it through the Wayback Machine. No. Damn. No. She. She was. We were actually. We were stupid. We were hosting the whole thing on her server. So she was a professional web designer. So she said, "Nah, no." And deleted. Do you still have the link for it? Like, do you still remember what the URL was? We 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 never. I think we never. We were using Blogspot. I didn't, don't think we we had money for a, a real URL. But right, anyway. right. But yeah. the, the name was Arcade Rats, and uh, we used to have Arcade Rats, not uh, Blogspot.com. But I don't know if it's it still exists nowadays. <laughs> but uh, after that, well, that's how I got used to you know write about um, video games. And then we um, we started a new blog, but I was the only one <laughs> willing to write, to spend time and energy right. to. And the other ones were like, nah. No. They're they're over it. Yeah, I said no, but I want to keep doing it, and I I end up doing my own blog, which is shmupsbrblogspot.com, and it's still online today. But I'm not updating since I uh, noticed that nobody was reading it because every everyone was paying attention to YouTube, and uh, that's when I switched. I decided to start making videos, and. Uh, did had no idea how to make videos. I'm not sure if I still do. I don't think so. I think my videos, video editing skills are pretty lame, but I try my best. And um, well, I know the story because I had the same thing where I was hosting a podcast on SoundCloud and was realizing, okay, this is a very limited platform here. We gotta we gotta make our way to YouTube as well. So definitely know where you're mm -hmm. coming from there. And that in uh, I was just started doing the same thing I was doing on the blog but on a video format and uh, in the beginning it was pretty hard because I didn't want to show my face and uh, I don't didn't like the sound of my voice or whatever but you know as you know you get over it you, you, yes. you overcome this you, yes. you overcome this stage like you see people doing much worse job and say ah, okay I can do better yes uh, I'm, 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 I'm not that bad and uh, well it's uh, it was fun because the shmup community in Brazil is big. It's massive, to be honest. Actually, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's massive. Makes sense. Though. Actually, actually, uh, this is something I'd like to uh, take the opportunity to, to say to people all over the world. You guys have no idea how big the gaming community in Brazil is and how passionate we are about it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You have no idea, and. Uh, you have no idea how much we love doing this. Because as a poor country, we don't have much things to uh, to get attached to. Like we don't have, and, and this is what we have. And when we love this and we do, we make it out of passion, basically. Right. And this is something that, that's something that drives us, something that make us, you know, wake up at four o'clock a.m. Uh -huh. and, yes. <laughs> and talk to someone on, on the internet we never talked before and uh, yeah that's it we, we we just love it so never underestimate when the Brazilians say they love video games because they really do oh yeah and uh, well 
and I decided doing this, especially because like I was already used and I had to. I said, okay, I think it will be fun to learn a couple of new skills to, uh, you know, do videos and whatever. And that's it. I think I'm not <laughs> doing that well with the channel in terms of numbers because I basically do videos in Portuguese and uh, the audience is reduced. Like it's not there's yes, not a lot of people. But watching. I wonder if you could reach your own ho sort of home audience though. Like your your fellow yeah. Brazilians. Yeah, this is uh, this is something I always stated for my uh, my channel. Uh, the name is Schmups BR because I am Brazilian and I'll always be it. That's it. And uh, I want to do something for Brazilians because nobody else is doing. You know, uh, uh, most people don't even know where Brazil is. Some people ignore the fact that the country do exist, even if it's a twenty. Uh, 220 million people country and yeah, uh, it's massive. we have a and massive we have a country. massive and we have a massive amount of of gamers there and um, nobody's doing so why not you know uh, you were doing a great job uh shmup junkies doing a great job and uh uh bullet heaven the uh the other guy i forgot the uh but i'm never sure about the name of this channel and because it's called bullet heaven but studio mudprint so i never know <laughs> how to address get it confused yeah and yeah it's a kind of say like at bullet heaven, maybe yeah yeah but you're doing a great job for the general audience uh i want to talk to the brazilian people because most brazilians don't speak english uh, exactly we, we do. yes we do of course if, if if we study we do of course but like you know i want to do something for for them because if i don't do nobody else will do that's exactly and, right uh, I think it's fair to put subtitles. I know most people hate subtitles, but that's all I can do, man. You know, if I start another channel in the future, I'll probably do it in English because it's a rational thing to do. But this one <laughs> will right. be in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I tried my best to add English subtitles to everything. If I just don't add to the uh, live streaming because it's a three, four hour long no kidding. And sometimes yes. I'm sometimes I'm I'm saying bullshit, and that doesn't deserve translation. So, <laughs> yeah. If uh, when people when I I see an English speaker in China, I switch to English. I I, I can switch to English immediately and start right, talking yeah. to, to him. And uh, that's that's. But for now, that's all I can do. Uh, but Wouldn't yeah, that'd be cool. I, I should look. You. Mm, I should look into this more. Uh, wouldn't it be cool? I don't know if YouTube has like a dual audio uh, feature in it or not, like where you could swap the audio track. Do you know if YouTube has something like that? Because that would be pretty cool if you could like record yeah. your videos in English and in Portuguese, and then but, the users you know, could like swap the audio track. I, I try, one thing I try to do because some Brazilian YouTubers do is uh, record two versions of the same video. But man, it's too much trouble, and no I noticed kidding, that. No kidding. Yeah, and I and I noticed that people don't watch it. For example, even even uh, when I add um, English subtitles to the videos, uh, I don't even see people. Uh, you know the the um, statistics, Retention. the analytics. Yes, uh, I don't think there's people from outside Brazil watching me, so I comments anything or I don't see the numbers so I think it's pretty much you know like what you could try to do and I'm just spitballing here ideas is um ha have you ever watched documentaries where they inter like let's say they're interviewing a Korean 
brood, brood war player. I saw a documentary like this. And what they did is they had the Korean talking, and then they had a sort of dub track after that to sort mm. of hear the English version. What if you did, like, English dub tracks on your actual video? So you have it, it's all in Portuguese and everything, but then you go back and you watch it and you just, like, dub dub in your English and it's a little bit, like, delayed after the Portuguese mm. and you kind of make it a little lower. And then the uh, English peoples could, the English viewers could be like, oh, okay, I know what he's saying. And then it w- um, might not be too distracting for your Portuguese viewers. I think the uh, the, the problem the with... This audience problem I'm having is not because uh, people don't want to read subtitles. I think it's because like there's they're like bigger YouTubers doing the whole thing in English already, and uh, we sometimes do talk about the same thing, which is totally natural. Like, well, example, I would we're, say we're just in my experience, for example, I know a good amount of my audience don't actually watch my video all that much. Like, what they'll do is they'll like pop on the video. But while they're doing something, people say this in the chat and stuff, like while they're working on their homework or working mm-hmm. on some kind of program, they're listening to what I'm saying, but they're, mm-hmm. and they'll kind of swap. And if they're curious, they'll kind of swap over and see what I'm up to or whatever. So it, it could be an, a strategy you could try to do is like add an, a, 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 like a softer English dub mm-hmm. over the, over top of your video. And that might yeah, actually be less work than subtitles <laughs> like that probably be easier than subtitling it you just what you do is you just watch your video back and then you just dub over it you know you just say what you're saying in english mm-hmm. and then in your uh video editor you just kind of put that track uh behind what you're saying a little bit and then like turn down the the audio level a bit and you could have like this english dub track because you do have this unique ability to speak both languages fluently so that would be really uh, might be a really useful solution. Yeah, I can think about something in the future, but uh, the thing that I'm more concerned about is something that um, I'm not sure if I like. It's just my impression, or the uh, uh, it's it's the um, my regular I don't know overall impression of the thing. But uh, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying things because I expect people to do things or whatever it just it's just my my general uh, impression of this but I feel that the gaming community uh, especially a niche gaming community like ours which is the shmups and and we share the same audience in in some level Mm -hmm. I think we should coordinate our efforts better you know because I see a lot of collaboration and cooperation in other communities that we shmuppers just don't you know we we have the fighting game bubble we have the uh fps bubble we have the uh whatever bubble and uh they are kind of part of the same bubble but i see an effort on making things you know uh, uh, i see a synergy you know right happening in the background i don't see it in the shmup scene uh, i call it shmuposphere because right. I, th- I think I think the, well, I think the word really, is funny. It's like uh, I think me and Junkie do a, a good amount of that. Where uh, we even had this series called Direct Inject, where we were like swapping each other's on each other's videos and stuff like that. What's interesting is that in the past I did try to do that a bit more, like on Shmup 
Master's channel, not Shmup Junkie, Shmup Master. I was actually like a co-host on his podcast, and I'd show up and be on the podcast and stuff like that. But um, the, the tricky thing about YouTubing and collabing and stuff, I do definitely agree. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the channel, is to kind of help spotlight you for other people. But the, the tricky part is, is that uh, crossing that algorithm is actually a, a very difficult thing to do, even with like really uh, common collaborations and stuff. Uh, usually it's kind of like that host channel gets the gets the juice. That, that's where mm -hmm. the juice goes. So like a, a good way to for, for you specifically, a good way for you to grow via collaboration would be for me to show up on your channel. And like Shmup Junkie to show up on your channel. That would be the way to push push towards your channel. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried too worried about the um the algorithm itself. It's it's not exactly uh, uh, what concerns me. What concerns me is people uh, doing the same thing individually in individual efforts instead of you know I think this is probably a very Brazilian thing, but in Brazil, it's very important. Who you are is important, but not as important as right. who you know. Right. Yeah, and that's that's like the complete opposite of like a American Western perspective, where it's like <laughs> the individual first. At least for me, anyway, the yeah. individual first over the over the the whole like sphere of it. That's just sort of my well, perspective. But, because, yeah, yeah. It, it's probably right, and uh, I guess the uh, the algorithm uh, uh, is was created to reflect this. But yes, like for example, problem... if we all like just hypothetically speaking, like let's say Junkie, um, Etremblay from Studio Mud Prince, and myself, we all decided, okay, we're going to do a collaborative review of what was that game that should come out, Soul Cresta. We're all mm. going to do this review together on Soul Crest. We're all going to do it together. Well, the just the uh, what you call this, the analytics, the realities, the situation is whoever hosts that video, if it's on Shmub mm -hmm. Junkie's channel, it goes to Shmub Junkie. It doesn't go to the other two. And so that's why we kind of did this direct inject thing where we trade off videos between myself mm -hmm. and Junkie. But the, but the thing there was that as you see our channels start to drift where I have you know, 10k, and he's about to 20k. What well, mm -hmm. what happens there then is like he's doing me much more of a favor than I'm doing him because of yeah. the the drift in the audience. So but, uh, I, I understand, that's where it but starts to get real tricky. What what I'm saying is, uh, I feel uh, it's it's not about uh, for me at least. It's not about numbers in terms in in absolute numbers in terms of how do I make on a video? I never made any money on YouTube. Yes, but yes. what I'm saying is, uh, for example, uh, not, f I don't know, I, I think it's really sad and, and I don't know, uh, sad is not probably the right word, but it, it's weird to imagine like we're doing the same thing but in separate bubbles, you know? Yes. Uh, it, it would be much better if you could at least, I don't know, somehow have a, a space to put the same guys to talk about the same thing because they're playing the same things right well and that and would be interesting just, just with uh just sharing opinions you know and, and we could you know get the same video uh, uh on uh, download the same video and the same video could go to to every channel and people will watch it right whatever they want yeah it, it doesn't matter you know it's the same content 
but uh, and I don't know. I, I think it's weird because uh, it's it in the long run. On the long run, it's 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 not about who's making more money with the video because nobody of us will do. Like right, it's, we're small channels compared to the YouTube, you know, big sharks. But I think though, outside it, of just money, though, I guess the way I would sort of describe this is like imagine a film with two with two directors like like two directors that i really like are quentin tarantino and rodriguez right well okay so good picks <laughs> yeah they're they're great directors and they have similar styles and they have similar interests right but even if you and they collaborated on stuff together right but the thing is is that when you're because i kind of have this experience doing the uh game fellas podcast this is I basically did exactly what you're describing on something called Game Fellas, where uh, me and Shmup Master were on the same channel. We're on his channel, uh, doing the same content. We're on the videos together, discussing the same topic. But what what ends up happening with these types of things is because video making and YouTubing is also an art form. What you'll start to see happen is mm -hmm. creative differences will start to emerge and. So let's say like Shmup Junkie and I did a lot of the same videos. We have very actually pretty distinctive creative styles, even though we're both talking about the same games. And so it would start to be like, are we going to make this a Shmup Junkie style video? Or are we going to make this a Mark MSX style video? Uh, what kind of things are we comfortable saying? Because like my channel is a little yeah. bit more, more spicy. I'll say some more wild mm. shit than Shmup Junkie tends to. And I tend to be more critical about certain things than he does. So that's why I, I like the... I like more of like a uh, state of YouTubers where like we cross over, yeah. we hang out, but we're not like pooled together into one entity no. because you'll get different flavors. Definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, I think the... Uh, it's... What you said is very valid. Like it's very important to preserve uh, each one's style. Which yes. is of course, like a trademark and uh, a, a, a signature of, of each channel. Like, But right. uh, what I'm saying is it would be good to have a space where people could, you know, oh, everyone <laughs> inter interested, like uh, everyone on the same topic uh, debate without having to care about like, uh, this This goes to my channel, this goes to your channel, this, right. goes, this yes. is my style, yes. this is yours. It's, it's more like a I guess people. I think people would love to see uh, what people producing content, what, which are what, how they would interact with each other. Yeah, exactly, yeah, definitely. You like know, the uh, like the I'll, YouTubers I'll, I'll, Unite podcast I did, where it was Smup Junkie, myself, and Ed all together yeah. at once, type of thing. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's that. I think that was a very good initiative, and and also. Um, you know, uh, it would have even help people to to see things they don't see in the regular videos. Because, for example, when I want to, uh, you you want to make a video about I don't know uh, a game, a review, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you you sometimes, of course, you are yourself, but you are yourself making a video. You're not talking like telling weird stories like I'm telling you today. Right. And I think I think everyone has cool stories to say. And these stories don't fit into a video content, you see. Yes, I know for, what you're saying. For, for, for example, 
uh, for example, now I have to review Androdunos because I the game is just out and I love it. It's really good. You should check it out. But <laughs> but like uh, there's no space for for example for me to tell weird fun stories. You tell fun stories or and I think the audience wants the, this this kind of thing. You know, yes, they want I to know, know who's the, they want to know who's the guy behind the uh, the video and sometimes we're uh, we're producing content that uh, uh, points towards the same uh, direction but uh, we're missing the human element yes you know? it sounds like you have an idea for something for your channel then you could do like for your channel what you could do is you could host a podcast video cast I recommend that would be like so for instance like this game comes out and you want junkie or myself or yeah Ed to show up you could like invite us on and yeah, I def- i'd be down to do that uh, i'm yeah, actually definitely. super super flexible about that i'll show up and give my thoughts and yeah that's that that, that i would like to you know let's let just you know uh imagining here something for example it would be a space for i uh, would more than happy to do that and invite you and say okay have a beer and let's talk about Right, whatever yeah. you want. Whatever right. you want. Doesn't need to be video games or whatever. Like if it takes like two or four hours, I don't care. Like that's of course, like depends on your free time, but <laughs> you 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 got it. Like let, let's let's talk about things that you usually don't have space to. Of course it will be video game centric, but right. not 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 pointing directly to a very strict subject, for example. Oh my god, we have to talk about Soul Cresta. Oh my god, yes. we have to talk about Under Junos. Oh my yes. god, we have to talk about whatever's coming up. You know, talk about a game that you played like I don't know twenty years ago and you like it. People would love to know it. Like yes, it, it, for I example, think... it's my it's it's my case, love case with Flying Shark, for example, or Zanek or Gradius or whatever. So you probably have similar stories to tell, or maybe I don't know something that happened to you in your childhood, like the box of SNES games. This is gold, man. This is a story that happened to people relate to it. Yes, yeah. And, and and I think people will love to know this because we don't talk about ourselves and our channels. And this is stupid. And I, uh, you know, and we're yes. guys when we're similar people. No, I wouldn't say that similar, but we're people like with similar tastes, doing similar content, and we don't expose the human element. And this is what sells nowadays. I think that would be a great. I think you're coming to a great idea for content for your channel like you should host a, like a, a type of podcast like this on your channel and i'd be down to show up i'd be down to hang come and hang out I, and share i just spit my thought i just don't know how it's go, how, how we're gonna do because most of my audience speaks portuguese but anyway yes i have is, no idea how to this, handle that <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is a problem for i guess for you could ha- you could bring on portuguese people though you could bring on like portuguese members I do. yeah i already do I already yeah. do this. Uh, what I do with my uh, with the, the when I'm I'm hosting people from Brazil, for example, uh, I usually ask them to recommend a couple of games, and we play those games and talk about them and all mm. kinds of bullshit. Where how, the, uh, how much Spanish does your audience speak? Is that like mm. a common language among Brazilians or just no. Portuguese? This is this is a. Uh, I was trying to explain this to uh, <laughs> to a friend in the United States, and he. I actually do understand. I actually do know a bit about Brazil, and I do know you all speak Portuguese. I did actually know that. No, yeah, but like uh, I remember, I was, <laughs> I was uh, 
trying to explain this this guy. He's from uh, he's not even from another city. He's from Canada, and uh, he was he kind of said that ah oh, yeah, but Brazil, Argentina, whatever. It's very similar. I said no. That's man. what you think. <laughs> no man. For unfortunately, it's not. Uh, they're like sometimes we're very similar in terms of culture and sometimes the uh, but for example i have problems when talking to uh people from the shmup scene and they are uh spanish speakers i i end up speaking english yeah i mean it's a totally different language it's totally it, different and, language it, and you know i i i was never educated in spanish so even if if you speak literally if you speak Spanish slowly on Portuguese slowly, they can interact and understand probably 80, 90 percent. But it's different. Yeah, and it's and, and people and people may end up offended, you know, because you're butchering their language. Like I'm butchering English now, but <laughs> you can. But it's it it's even worse. Like I don't speak one tenth of Spanish than what I speak of English so right officially so like the the language you'd go for with your audience then was either Portuguese or maybe even English I think we could like it's I think natural for the uh, the uh, audience if I'm interviewing someone in English I'll of course speak English and I can add subtitles like I do with my English uh, mm -hmm. uh, my, like I do with my Portuguese videos to English so in my channel man or you could do the, or do like a dub track on top of it in Portuguese. Could be. Yeah, I'm trying we... to convince you of this. I'm trying to sell you on this idea because I think it will be. I think it'll work more than you think. Uh, could be. I, I, I'm just trying to imagine how to accommodate two dub track, two tracks, two audio tracks, talking two different languages at the same time for the same people that. I there's, don't think it's there's this work. document. Go on YouTube, look up this documentary about Brood War. It's like Na National Geographic Brood War. Look that up on YouTube because they, what they it should have something like they, sh YouTube, they show they show uh, it's an old new National Geographic <laughs> used to do this. You will hear them speaking in Korean, but they'll mm. have an English dub track coming in afterward. Uh, translating it for you but it's like semi real it's pretty close to real time so that if you're Korean you can hear oh, okay what they're saying but if you're English you know what they're saying too because of that dub track and mm -hmm. that re that removes the need for subtitles because mm. YouTube is be. a bit of an audio audio medium as well as video because a lot of your viewers are probably not fully watching your video 100% all the time they're doing things or looking around mm -hmm. they're eating their breakfast or whatever and like having that audio uh element of your videos i think will help with crossover to other languages a lot yeah i see there's like people especially especially english chat, speakers, they tend chat to say, weigh in in the comment section if you think i'm right say dub in english in the comment yeah. section let's hear what the audience has to say but i think yeah i'd like i think I'd it's like a good to, idea to, I'd, I'd like to hear more about it and i think like and i do think it, it would actually be easier on your end than actually subtitling i think subtitling is like way harder than just uh dubbing in an english track over top in the end um 
Yeah. Because you have to time code everything, right? And do all that with the time yeah, codes. The, and... the, uh, now I'm starting to get used to the subtitling, subtitling two on, on, two on YouTube. Like, and I'm starting to get good at it. But definitely, it will be much easier to just say yes. things and record, re-record. I think it's much faster. Yes, and you could you and you don't have to like re-record the video part of it. You could just dub in the the audio over top. Mm. So you don't have to make two videos. You you make one video, and then so you do your first pass. It has your native you know Portuguese and everything, and then you're listening back to it, and you just translate it over the top of it, and then you mm -hmm. dub that on top of the uh, uh, in your video editing software. You dub that over the top, so you have both languages there. They're both there. They're that Brood War documentary, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Look up National yeah, Geographic I'll, I'll Brood War. Yeah, I have to check it out because right now I have no idea how to make it, but there's probably a way to make it. Yes, yes. And if you have any questions, I actually did it. Actually, there's another uh, source you can look at, which is my um, interview with the SDOJ world record holder. Um, mm. I did that in that uh, video where I have the translation dubbed a bit over the top of what he's saying in Korean. I have no idea what he's saying in Korean, but if you're <laughs> listening, you can still understand because the English translation is dubbed over the top of it. So English speakers can listen to the podcast episode. Yeah, there, there's a way. There, there should be a way. I'll, I'm, I'm not too concerned about the uh, reaching like big numbers on YouTube right now because like like I mentioned, like I do, is I especially do it because I like doing it. Like I've been doing it for years now. So, but I, I, I'd like to, you know, I saw communities being damaged and content being lost and uh, things getting difficult for everyone because people start, you know, not, not feeling they could and they should collaborate and accept collaboration from uh, uh, collaterals. Absolutely. See. Yes, this absolutely. is this is this is what concerns me more, because for example, you probably just heard about Softstar because I said junkie and I sent you the uh, the 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 uh, the serial. That's and right. The Softstar guys, the Softstar guys in Brazil, uh, uh, are getting their games sold because of this. People exactly. are getting visibility of this. This is the kind of thing that I think transcends whatever you can make on money on YouTube, which is pretty much nothing. <laughs> and uh, this is for me worth much more than making a video and seeing money. Right. Getting well, no, it's not. It's not necessarily about the money of it because, like, if I wanted to just make money, I'd just get a real second job and make eight times more. Yeah. <laughs> in a, in a day, but it's Man, just more I'm, of like the um, the logistics of it, I guess you could say, if that makes yeah. sense. Because, for instance, the logistics of Shmup Junkie have 18, he has 18,000 uh, subscribers. And so, like, the logistics of that is he has an ability to tap an audience on the shoulder and say, Softstar? And mm -hmm. that would be a, an audience that would be inaccessible to Banana Bites otherwise. So that's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm, I'm saying is, like, being able to grow your, your reach can yeah. have massive, massive potential uh, benefits for many other people other than just yourself. For instance, mm -hmm. that's one of my main reasons for growth is so I can point out, you know, Blue Revolver Double Action is coming out and uh, I can interview Dambo mm -hmm. and it could reach a lot more people. So, and I think you have or, that potential. Oh. You have that potential for the 
for the Portuguese audience, for the Brazilian audience. For example, you probably heard about this, right? Let me show you something. The magazine. Yes, I heard about it. Yeah, I, I have to find a way to send you an issue. Uh, we're releasing it in, in English now. This is one of the things that it's for me is very important like to be able to we're very really uh, proud of the uh, whatever we do every, every, all the attention all the audience all the uh, visibility we're getting now because of the magazine it's working way better than any YouTube video for example let's take a look at it what's what's a uh, give a little preview what's in there well uh, first uh, our idea with this uh, magazine nowadays it's uh, I mean the how the became possible was we um like i mentioned like we are very passionate about everything we do like we really love doing this and it's like pretty much like a second job <laughs> doing all the digital uh yeah absolutely digital art and whatever like there's several people involved but what does the magazine cover like is it reviews is it interviews is it like, what's the type of stuff in there? We decided to... We noticed, like, we did some research and we couldn't find a shmup exclusive physical publication nowadays. There's yeah, just I don't know. Not, not, there's just not happening. There's none. And we said... I was talking to people in Brazil, say, another uh, uh, shmup fans. I said, man, nobody's doing it. Why? What's wrong about it? Like, and we couldn't find a cause and say, why wouldn't we try well, doing I, it? Well, I, <laughs> I have an example, because I kind of wanted to do a magazine a while back, but I can't draw things, and I don't have any sort of copyright clearance for a lot of stuff, so the magazine would just be me typing things. So you'd need a specific skill set to create a magazine, mm. probably. Yeah, well, I think we end up with people that have this skill. Yes, and 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 I can do a little bit. Other people can do a little bit. So we just end up. Th that's that's the kind of collaboration I'm talking about. You know. Well, yeah, like you, you could. Uh, I, how big of an operation is it? Because you could do stuff like you could have people write guest articles for the magazine and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Mm -hmm. actually, yeah, actually, this is a very good topic for this video. Mm. We are trying to bring international writers for the magazine. Uh, not just like uh, regulars, but one issue, two issue, whatever, you name it. And we just can't. <laughs> because uh, I am the only one that's... I am the international face of the magazine. I'm the only one that contacts people, uh, bother people like Locomalito and uh, uh, the other guy from Raging Blasters. Uh and, and I am the guy that talks to people internationally and say, hey, you want to participate? And they say yes or no. And uh, now we're bothering NG Dev. <laughs> yeah, that's but how you have to do I, it. You have to shake people down. That's kind of how I, it works. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm the only one doing it. And this doesn't happen like all the way around. Like, people just realize that the magazine exists and they uh, sometimes well, I would feel say, they shouldn't. They feel well, they say, but, but they, they have, you know, some, sometimes they say, I think people start thinking about, oh, but they, they have their own thing. They have their own people writing. No, we don't. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say the, we're, the way we're it kind of works is we're, whenever, we're you open. whenever you start something, 
you start in a, a, an endeavor like this, whether it's YouTubing, creating magazine, making a game even, uh, those initial stages are a real, real grind because you basically have to prove that what you're doing mm-hmm. has some legs under it. A good example of this is Shmup Slam. So in Shmup Slam 1, I hunted down everyone and was like, please be in Shmup Slam, please be in Shmup Slam. Shmup Slam 2, I did the same thing. I hunted everyone down and said, please be in it. I begged for it. I begged on my knees, please be in the event. And then 3 and 4, it started to gain like a bit of a reputation. People started, it, get, it got recognition. And now with Shmup Slam 5 and 6, I can have open submissions and people will come to it because now it's sort of proven. But those should... initial stages, I had to literally beg people, please participate. So you uh, see, do you remember that guy I told you that uh, he, his computer is not good for run, even Softstar? He, yeah, I, I would love to have him in Shmup Slam because he's man, he's a beast. Well, I'd be I'd be totally down with uh, like helping to organize like a donation drive of. Let's send this guy a computer, you know? I'd be totally I would, down uh, for that. I, 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 I would definitely... Just need the details? Think, just need the contact info? Let's make it happen. Yep. Yeah, I, I will definitely ask for you for help because, uh, you know, I, I could I could get some money here just myself and send him a computer. But, you know, I think this is a community thing. This is something we have to bring, not just for him, but for people in the future that may end up on the same situation. Not just for a computer to play games, because, but you know, to make a game happen, or to make a, I don't know, a publication or a magazine or an event or, or Shmup Slam or something like that happen in the future. I don't know. We, we yeah. cannot. But I think you know we cannot survive on scraps, on, well, on leftovers. Like with these types of things, like having these types of projects, like your magazine and like. Uh, I think will be a podcast type of thing that you want to do like um, these types of things it's like these uh, I like I really love these ideas and a lot of them just take that that leadership step right and uh, so like these visions you have of like a magazine and doing these things like I feel like you have the you have the ability and skills to like make those happen as like and be like kind of the organizer around those things so like you start messaging people Hey, I have this shmup magazine. Do you want to submit an article to it and stuff like that? And you'd be surprised. You just take that step forward, and you'd be surprised how many people will respond. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how the Electric Underground came to being. Is just me constantly shoving my head forward over and over and over until you could gain some traction. The the only thing I'd like to uh, there is a uh, a constraint uh, barrier that I want to break which I feel it, especially being an immigrant here in UK, is the ghetto thing. What do you mean? We're, we're not a ghetto. This is not a thing for Brazilians. This is not a Brazilian channel made for Brazilian. Well, in my case, my oh, channel you mean is... Oh, you mean your, schmuck, your YouTube channel? No, everything. Like, this magazine, we're doing it in English. It's not because we think it's, it can be written... Uh, do done the articles are, are, are done by Brazilians and we're selling it for sending it for 10 bucks uh, worldwide for people in, in around the globe no if you want to participate we're open to it 
Like it's it's not our thing. Like I see here in UK, uh, the immigrant uh, uh, um, communities are very ghetto centric. You know, oh, are very. I don't really know the very, UK very well, so I don't know what's no, going but, on. Uh, over no, but no, no, I'm bringing this to your to your knowledge. This happens a lot. For example, uh, there are events for the Chinese community, events for the Indian community, events for the Brazilian community that all people were kind of not welcome. You know, uh, mm. this is not a case. Not yeah, yeah. not for my things, not for my stuff. I do my videos of English subtitles because I want people from outside Brazil to to watch them. Yes, uh, we're doing we're uh, doing that English the, audio the, track. I'm telling you, that'll help a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will research how to do this. That that will help the, you uh, a lot. The, the magazine, as you can see, is in English now. So we're doing this because this is not just for ourselves. And I I, I hate, for example, when. I try to find an article about the Sharp 68000, for example, which is a machine I have and I love. And it's only in Japanese. And yep. if you want to, if you, if you want, and if you want to read something about it, you have to learn Japanese. I end up learning something, but it's not the same thing. Sometimes you need help, and you have to talk to someone, and the guy is Japanese. Or sometimes you have to, to talk about something, and the guy is American, or I don't know, German, or. British or whatever. French. And, There's also lots of and, French players. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. massive, and they're they leave, they're living in their own bubbles. And I man, I can't say how happy I get when I manage to make someone cross this this you know this barrier and and participate yes. in something I do or participating in something someone else do. For example, uh, for several types, I help Junkie on on videos he's doing. I don't do this for the publicity. Or the, I'm doing this because he needs my help. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, he asked me. He asked me for for footage, for uh, video footage of, of me playing games and and uh, filming my Sharp sixty eight thousand because I think I'm probably the only owner on the community. But it, it, you know, I'm more than happy to to collaborate. He collaborated on videos I did as well. Yeah, and that's uh, definitely I'm, good I'm stuff. more than happy. You know, I I don't believe in bubbles. I don't believe in in you know clicks. Yeah, I prefer to. I I think the, the I think the the problem we're having, and the schmups will never uh, leave this niche stage. If the schmup content makers don't stop considering themselves inside their own bubbles, that's that's the point, I guess. Yes, and I think we're we're, we're I think a we're real always crossover point will be that adding that English in because I think the language barrier is very powerful uh, as yeah. <laughs> as an English only person oh, no, like I you you know you give me three words of Japanese I'm like lost already so like uh, mm -hmm. I and I do think uh, part of it is like if you could add that English track in there man I think that's really gonna help that crossover with your audience because uh, a lot of people uh, don't really just watch YouTube videos they also listen to them and mm -hmm. some people don't like to read subtitles. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. No, um, of course. Yes, I will read subtitles. I actually watch every single thing, even if it's in English with subtitles, because uh, just because I always want to hear what people are like, read what people are saying. Because sometimes I have a little bit of a hearing problem. So I think like that that audio track on your videos is gonna really help that crossover point. And you, I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, no, well, I'll definitely look out. I have to learn how to do this because I have no idea. 
Yes, I, and if you need any help uh, figuring out, I can definitely help you because I did it with the SDOJ world record yeah. interview. And no, I did definitely. that because I knew, okay, this is some good shit right here. And for the same reason you're talking, like, Korean, the Korean, speaking of uh, little communities, the Koreans, they're like this, you think Portuguese small, there's like eight of them. There's like eight little, there's like eight Korean shmuppers, but they're all insanely passionate. Some of them are like world record holders. They're they're insane, but they're just in mm-hmm. this tiny little bubble. And the reason for it is that language barrier. And so by adding in that audio track over the top, it was a way to kind of cut. It's actually in a translation, so shout outs for the translation. But it's a way to cross there's, that language barrier. And I, that, I think another, that's huge. There's another guy. There's a guy in Brazil. I think he's the record holder for Mars Matrix, which is a pretty hard game. Yeah. And uh, he's a oh man, he's a beast. He's a monster. I saw him playing and he's, you know, but he can speak a word in English. I'll be more than happy to translate to him. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's what I had to do with this, uh, the world record holder for um, SDOJ who's Korean is mm-hmm. I had to get a, another Korean who could speak English and tr- he would translate what he would say. And then I would take that. And then I overlaid that over the top of what he was saying in Korean. And then people could hear what he was saying who are English speakers. So it was like a way to make that accessible for people. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's huge. The, uh, 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 I, what I, I can't accept is the fact that for example, shmups are probably one of the oldest forms of video game if not the oldest and uh we're still in the niche yeah like, they got they got left left behind <laughs> in a yeah bit. yeah like, there's Brutal. something missing that we're doing it wrong and i think we can fix it and and this is probably the best time to do this because the uh, we're living the shmup renaissance so it's Definitely. probably the best time yeah i think well trends part of it is you know shmups were so tied to the arcades is as the arcades went the way of the dodo, as did the shmup. So I think a, a big transition point for the genre, which is, you know, what we're in right now, is getting out of the arcade mentality and into the home exactly. PC, you know, market, you know, making changes to the format, making changes to, like, continuation systems. Like, arcade continuation mm-hmm. systems don't make any sense now. Uh, no. Changing sort of the content on offer, so it's not just five stages, and we're going to have extra modes, extra bonuses, all that sort of stuff, yeah. I think that yeah. all that will really go a long way. I have a project. I unfortunately can't talk about it because basically literally just started discussing about this. But goes exactly towards this way. Like it's shmups but not just you know, not just fast food. Not just fast food is like a full meal. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Not 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 just your quick fix, a full three course meal. But we'll talk about more about this later. Yes, awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. This has been a really fun episode, and I think uh, I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, maybe you might be interested in doing your own sort of podcast and bringing sure. people on. And I think that I, I just, think you uh, I think you'll really like that. I just want to think about uh, how to bring you in and other people win. Uh, you already have, I think I, ha- I already have an idea or two. But yeah, we, we can definitely think about something. And uh, yeah, yes. of course, coordinate, always... of course, coordinate, coordinate time zones. Because I don't <laughs> think, I don't yeah. think, I don't, I don't think my marriage will survive doing this for long. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so we I, have... 
Yeah, I've, I've had a, I've had some insane time zone stuff over the years with interviewing people, and I've done the 4 a.m. interview. You're not alone. I've done the 4 a.m. No, ones, uh, and I've also done like a, I, I think it was Stunfest. It was like three in the morning. Oh, and the, anything Japanese is insane because they're no. Uh, yeah. As you can see, I'm more than happy of doing it. It's it's not a big deal at all. Like it's not a problem at all. Like my wife incentivized me doing this kind of stuff because she see she knows that I'm I'm. When I do this, I I'm happy, and yes. you know, but I don't think it's healthy to be honest. Like doing <laughs> yeah. a lot, doing yeah. a lot, no. And yeah. uh, so we, we just we just ha- we just need some planning, some coordination, and absolutely we, we can get there. Absolutely, but yeah, definitely. Well, awesome! Thanks for coming on, and and everyone check out his channel Schmups Br. Um, and I'll put the link in the video description. Uh, by Adios, the way, everyone. my name is. Oh, but, but by the way, my name is Filippi, and uh, Schmops PR is just the name of the channel because people start calling me Schmops PR, and they said, "No, man, this is a channel." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I definitely know what you mean. I try to do that just so people remember your channel name. But yes, no, no, that's fine, that's fine. I'm just <laughs> yes. saying that, just saying like I'm not Schmops PR. I even changed my name on Discord because <laughs> I right, know it's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, people, I've some well, a lot of people call me the Electric Underground. I'm like, eh, close, eh, close enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they eventually will end up knowing your name, but yes. Well, thanks so much for coming on, my dude. It's been really fun. Thank you, thank you for. It's for been really writing. cool learning more about uh, the Brazilian arcade scene, video game oh, yeah. scene, because I've heard this here about it here and there over the years, but it's really cool to get real insider perspective. Oh no, and I'm more than happy. Like if people uh, want to, uh, because man, I this is just the tip, not even the tip of the iceberg. Like there's crazy amount of stories to tell. But yes, I'm sure. Uh, we we just need some direction. Like if you want uh, Mark to bring me again at four o'clock a.m. to talk about Brazilian video game history or whatever you want to know about Brazil, because it's a totally different yes. uh, ecosystem. Just let him know about the topic. Say you talk to me, and we can prepare something more directed. Because today, I guess it was more like an overview. Absolutely, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about. Well, awesome. Adios, everyone. Bye, people. See you. So thank you to the $5 patrons, Anthony A., Anthony Iodice, Aaron Solis, Acid Davis, Ben, Orgy22, Brian Shiver, Chris Yusufovich, Chronic Burnout 3, Cook Some Soup, Corey Mark, Des Audio, Darkwing, Darren Griffin, Disco Stas Leia, DJ420, Praise It, Eric H., FCK, Full Set, Retro Shmupper, Haosu, Kiwi, JLab, JBRPG, Gymnakum, John Kelly, Joltz, Game Boy Guru, K, K2, Kikoman589, Larage, Malays, Mark Toms, Matthew Derekis, Maz, Megadeth859, Minong, Michaelin, Michael Stum, Mitch LY, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron, Neon Dagger Games, Ukulele. Google, Philip Mason, Radocat, Raul, Real Skeen, Riff Mason, Rolf, 015, Scanline City, Seven Overdose, Shane Sinsensky, Schmup Junkie, Space Votuas, Stadium Arts, Steve Fiction, Super Snip, The Boot Rex, The Real Ikuzo, The Dirty Screech, VN1, The Old Bensta, TRM, Zugumo, Twilight EX, X20 Spec, and Yutakaya. Thanks for watching.